Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. One more knee will do it. The Philadelphia Eagles are going back to the Super Bowl. Eight seconds left and a 45-yard attempt by Harrison Butker. Here's Butker. For 45 yards. All the way, it's done. Stage is set, Kevin. And the first thing that I thought as Cincinnati went down in what was really an entertaining game, a lot of drama at the end, and Arrowhead after a kind of a fizzle of the NFC Championship game between Philadelphia and San Francisco. But uh, this is the world that we live in for the 2023 football coverage in the city of Indianapolis, and that is okay. So that means who's available now to talk when in terms of the Colts head coaching search. With the Super Bowl set between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles, that means what guys suddenly are available and what guys all of a sudden are the Colts like, we got to talk now or else hold our peace for another two weeks. You know, it's funny. That was one of my, certainly one of the thoughts I had yesterday watching the games unfold. The other thought I had, Jake, was is this how the rest of the AFC felt watching Manning and Brady for all those years? Yep. And now is this the reality for Colts fans for the next, whatever, five to ten years? I mean, Patrick Mahomes' resume, five years into the his NFL career, six years into the his NFL career is right up there with anybody in league history. And Joe Burrow, of course, was right there potentially going to a Super Bowl for the second straight year, the only two years he's been healthy in the league after tearing his ACL's first year. Uh, but yes, like you said... Um, the Colts got the result that they wanted, I think, yesterday, just from the fact that San Francisco lost. So if they wanted to, or I guess I should say, if D'Amico Ryans wants to, he can meet with the Colts today, but it sounds like Houston is the overwhelming favorite for his head coaching candidacy, and he's already met with the Texans. So um, all four coaches that were coaching in yesterday's conference championship game, Shane Steichen with the Eagles, the offensive coordinator, that interview reportedly will happen early this week with the Colts. And then we'll see about the others. Eric Bieniemy, of course, the OC with the Chiefs. Brian Callahan, the OC with the Bengals. Uh, again, Bieniemy and Sykin. They're coaching the Super Bowl, but you can still meet with them this week because you originally had a first interview with them earlier this but month. But Ryan's, because they have not met with Ryan's, right? They have not met with him, but, but their but season's over. of course, over. now he's doesn't done, matter. so it doesn't matter, right? But Ryan's, to me... Like, for example, moot point, had San Francisco won yesterday, then the Colts still would have had, like, what, a two-day window to get to Ryan's, otherwise it was afterwards? Uh, no, they could not. If San Francisco would have won, the earliest they could have talked with him is the day after, after the, the Super, Super Bowl. After the Super Bowl, yeah. Ryan's, to me, has always felt like Houston was the inevitable spot. Yeah, I want to say um, Denver also has been, you know, rumored with him, but a couple of names that I think is a bit of a surprise for the Colts in the second interview list. We'll chat about that today, but obviously a ton to get to on this Monday morning. Good Monday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jay Quarry, Mark Dykton. I thought 
walking out to the car, I thought it looked a little slick. But uh, I, was I, it slushy to you? It was a little bit like it just had the glossy look. Yes. but I didn't really encounter anything too slippery. I just noticed um, walking out. I'm like, wait a minute! Like there was like some kind of crunchy noise. Really? Yeah. I mean, there wasn't any windshield salt? scraping necessary. Maybe it was salt, actually. Now that you mention it, um, but nonetheless. A good weekend of sports and a lot to talk about over the course of the week, including the Pacers, which Tony East will join us in today's program at 8.30. Bob Kravitz going to join us today as well. So there's Pacers news to talk about. Obviously, the season uh, getting away from them a little bit. College basketball yesterday, that was as good a performance as you're going to find from Zach Eady. Interesting, somebody texted me yesterday during the game and said, when is the last time the state of Indiana – had arguably the two best college basketball players at the same time playing in it. With Edie and Trace Jackson Davis. Well, that's a great point. And I said, you know what? It'd have to be 93 when Calvert Chaney was the college player of the year and Glenn Robinson was in his first year at Purdue and won the college player of the year the next year. I mean, those two guys were unbelievable. I mean, Weber was in there as well. Um, you could argue the two hottest teams in college basketball right now, too. Yeah. Yeah, Indiana, I mean... Indiana, that's five in a row, four of them by double digits. Um, and then, of course, Purdue, having only lost one game all year. You know, I tweeted this out late on Saturday, Jake. For my generation, and I'm 33, you know, you eliminate whatever the first six or seven years that you have very little recollection of anything in the sports world. We're going to get a ranked matchup Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, I should say, in Assembly Hall, 4 o'clock tip. Those don't happen often. <laughs> for my generation with Indiana and Purdue. And, like, this is what I love about college sports. Um, this is what you're never going to be able to replicate if you are, you know, IMG Academy to the G League Ignite or whatever your path is going to be to the NBA. That environment will be absolutely deafening inside of Assembly Hall. And, obviously, Mackey will get its chance to experience that later in the month of February. But what just an awesome awesome matchup. Indiana, I assume, will be ranked when the polls come out later today. Should be, and Purdue might be the unanimous number one at this point, right? So we'll get ranked matchups coming up. But yeah, Zach Eady, man. I mean, <laughs> what, you put Tom Izzo in what, some sort of top three, top five list of best coaches in college basketball? In the two matchups this year against Michigan State, Zach Eady, 70 points and 26 rebounds. <laughs> <laughs> like Decent, those right? are video though that is Shaquille O'Neal video game type numbers and I thought the stat that stood out to me the most about ED yesterday obviously 38 and 12 but Jake he doesn't have a single turnover in 32 minutes like how often do you see a ball thrown to a big guy and he just fumbles it one time he doesn't or get in foul trouble and he doesn't turn the ball over it's it is absolutely Remarkable what he's doing, and again, what Trace Jackson Davis is doing, and even when Trace has kind of a quiet night for him. I mean, hell, he still had a double-double. I almost feel unfair calling it quiet. Jalen Hood-Shafino looks like a first-round pick, so cannot wait for 4 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, did you have a good weekend? Anything fun? We did. Um, yeah, nothing nothing too too crazy. Um, yeah, kids were, I mean, at this point, and Mark can probably speak to this, you're just happy when the kids are healthy and not snotting and coughing. Oh, for sure, especially so, this time of year. Yeah, uh, it was good. How about you? Uh, it was good. I, I I caught a bunch of heat because I sent a tweet. I, I think sometimes people, and I get it, people take things a little too literally. Butler got beat, and I sent a tweet that just said, 
because I've said this a lot on the show. It's kind of like a, I just said Butler never should have left the Atlantic 10. And then I get people that are like, you, you're not looking at the overall prestige of the conference and the money it brings in for the rest of the university. And this is such a myopic thing to think only about men's basketball. And you're not thinking about the fact the literature department, I, I, I get all that. I get it. I know they had to join the Big East. I get it. But doesn't that make, like, isn't that kind of just a sportsism? You know what I mean? Like, gosh, I never should have let the A-10. They were, it was such a good league. Da, da, da. I get it. You've got to be in the Big East. The money's there. The prestige, it is. It just felt to me like the A-10 was a better fit for them. Um, so you were dealing with that? I was dealing with that. But we went to, um, actually went to dinner Saturday night at the Bulldog. And it was oh, great. And it was great. It was right packed. Right of the woods. Uh, it was great. It was fun. It was packed. Everybody, the, the IU game was just starting. It's a great spot. Um, stopped on the way home. Been a long time since I've gone to the old pros table and just sat right by the fire. Nice. Sat there, had a PBR, as a matter of fact, on draft. And then uh, headed home. Yesterday, though, I thought, you, you kind of felt for San Francisco, didn't you? I mean, they, gosh darn it, like they... I'll give him credit. I mean, they went out there and they did the best they could with literally the guy, that, you know, the quarterback with the longest resume in the history of the National Football League. Former Colt, Josh Johnson. <laughs> Former everywhere. I mean, that everybody saw that list of Josh Johnson's teams of service. It really is incredible. Yeah, the backup to Matt Hasselbeck for, I think it was two games in 2015 when Andrew Luck first had those shoulder issues. I mean, again, it was only, what, eight or nine minutes, but I felt like Philly had already kind of cemented themselves as the whatever the lead team of that matchup you know Hertz made that incredible play on fourth down and I get that it probably would have been overruled but that's part of the NFL kind of chess match game of when those plays happened Devontae Smith was you know doing the hand motion right after that big fourth down catch they ran up there and I don't know maybe I'm reading too much into this but you know you guys have heard me say that I think having kind of that CEO type coach the one that is not overly involved with play calling on either side of the ball, I think it's such an advantage. You see San Francisco not challenge that play, and I don't know, maybe Shanahan was paying plenty of attention and just didn't get a great look from his replay booth. But then you see Philadelphia on the Brock Purdy injury play, they challenge that. And Hassan Reddick was, of course, going nuts. But Nick Sirianni, a guy that does not call plays, uh, those two plays obviously stand out as huge. I, I thought they should have gone straight. McCaffrey, Debo, Samuel, Wildcat. I mean, that's hard to argue after a certain point, right? Um, the Super Bowl itself, in your opinion, the favorite is who? I don't mean necessarily the point spread, but just the team that, you know, a lot of times one of the two teams in the Super Bowl, you're like, yeah, they kind of felt like they, they backed their way. Or you know what I mean? Like things went their way. Yeah. I, this feels like. I thought it would be pick them. I'm a little surprised that Philly is already a two-point favorite. Um I mean, based off just what the results were or the Vegas spreads were for the AFC-NFC championship game. But, you know, when you look at Philly, Jake, you also forget, like, I mean, Jalen Hurts was out for two of their three losses. And when they've had Hurts, they're like 13-1. and one. Yeah. 14-1. and one. So, obviously, tons of storylines. You get the two number one seeds facing off with each other. Um, and, you know, watching Kansas City that play out yesterday – you know, what Chris Jones did in the fourth quarter, and I mean, Harrison Bucker makes a 45-yard field goal. Obviously, the penalty helps them out there. But it, it was kind of the 180 of when the Colts played the Chiefs earlier this year. Chris Jones makes the boneheaded penalty in the fourth quarter of that game to really keep the Colts' chances alive. Right. 
And then remember all the kicking issues Kansas City had in that one? They had, Bucker was hurt, so they had a new kicker, and he doinked one, and then Andy Reid went for it like in a 30-some-yard field goal range. Um, just obviously a totally different result from uh, from Michigan. It's kind of wild to think the Colts beat the Chiefs and almost beat the Eagles. I thought the final play that really put, obviously, Kansas City into field goal range, right? Yeah, the scramble and then the penalty. So... And, I mean, everybody saw it. If you're unaware of it, Mahomes is scrambling. He, you know, he's hobbled, obviously. He's just about to step out of bounds. He gets both feet clearly out of bounds, and then Joseph Osai just comes barreling in and pushes him down, and then himself twists his ankle. I actually thought when I saw it in real time, and this wasn't the case, I don't think, you know, in hindsight – but when I saw it, I thought he actually was falling. I, I thought Osai was like losing his balance because of the twisted ankle and fell into Mahomes. Like it was, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't intentional. Then I saw the replay and I'm like, yeah, I, it was blatant. I mean, yeah. you that, feel for the guy. 10 out of you, 10 times. No question. You feel for the guy, but it's like, yeah, man, he, he was he was literally a foot and a half out of bounds. And obviously you hate to see, again, I, I agree with the call, but you hate to see it come down to that point. Obviously, hell of a scramble. By Mahomes, I, certainly he was limping at various moments throughout the game, but, boy, I thought he made so many plays when he got outside of the pocket. And that was, I think, a huge question you had of how limited he would be. So Chiefs and Eagles from Arizona coming up here in a couple of weeks. Jake, Miles Turner wakes up today a pretty happy man. Miles Turner, and I'm telling you, this is the perfect situation for the Pacers because they basically bought themselves time. Kind of what it feels like, too. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. They bought themselves time to figure this out and to come up with, you know, hey, we know we know that we'd like Miles Turner to be here, but we've got to figure out what other pieces we still need to add and subtract and whatever else, and this gives us two more years to get it done, and then we'll see where the chips fall. You know, as um, you mentioned, Tony East going to join us at 8.30, so we'll get into kind of the nuts and bolts of this renegotiation and extension for Miles Turner. Bob Kravitz... Um, who I think you know, kind of hand raised in the air um, with his latest column about, and these are his words, being wrong on Miles Turner. My worry with giving Turner a big extension was four years for $100 million. This is nowhere near that. Um, so I think kind of buying them time is a good way to put it. And again, it's very disappointing to me, the lack of development you've seen from the young big guys, to where I almost felt like you were kind of backed into a corner with Turner and like, gosh, boy, you don't feel comfortable with Isaiah Jackson or Jalen Smith or Goga giving them serious minutes. But basically what it is with Turner is the Pacers were well under the salary cap for this season. And they obviously could have used that coming up at the trade deadline a week from Thursday. What they decided to do was renegotiate Turner for this year. So that bumps his salary up $17 million for this year. Miles Turner makes $35 million for this year, which frankly, is absolutely absurd when you compare him to other people making that money. But you've got the money. You might as well use it. The next two years, though, Jake, he's making $19 and $20 million, which is very manageable for a player of his importance to this team. He'll be 29 years old when he hits free agency again. you got to think he'll be highly motivated, of course, to cash in one more time. 
And again, you just don't have many other options, if any options, on your team that if you were to let him go, and again, you would have gotten something in return for him, you would have had a big hole at the starting five spot. I have felt for a while that the number one bonus or intrigue or storyline for the Pacers brass when it comes to Tyrese Halliburton is that they have been fascinated by, intrigued by how Miles Turner would benefit. I think Miles Turner is... You ever know anybody that you went to high school with, or for that matter, a friend of yours today who might have kids that aren't bad kids. They have kids, that, not bad kids at all, but like they're still trying to find themselves. And it's like, yeah, you know, they, they you know, Jim enrolled in, in a new program at school and we're really optimistic because he really likes this. And we think this might have, you know, he might have found something here that he likes. And and we're really hoping this gets him on the right path and, and he, he starts to, to get a little bit of motivation. Miles Turner isn't that guy where he needed motivation and that kind of a thing. But in terms of what they knew Miles Turner could be as a player, the Pacers have been searching for that pairing, that match, that player that can invigorate in him the consistency that they need from an offensive standpoint in particular. And when they saw Tyrese Halliburton's skill set, I think they were extremely intrigued by and fascinated by, whoa, what can this guy do for Miles Turner's game? And before we send Miles Turner to goodwill, we need to make sure one more time that like this this doesn't work perfectly. And then literally it was, okay, we have something here because it paired very well with Halliburton. So I think that's what they have wanted to see. They liked what they saw in that pairing, and they've decided that's what they're going to build off of. But they had to make sure that they had the flexibility to still be able to add those auxiliary parts, and this is done in a way that allows them that flexibility. Technically, they can still trade Turner. Again, Correct. We'll, that's the other we'll, interesting curveball to this. We'll get more into this with Tony East coming up at 8.30, but I think there are some people around the league that all of a sudden see Turner under contract for the next couple of seasons, and now they're like, oh, Indiana's kind of done our dirty work. They've already gotten the extension done with Turner now you know what you're getting. There's not the uncertainty of, hey, you're getting an expiring contract. Are you going to be able to retain him or not? Again, I don't think that's necessarily Indiana's mindset with this. I think the Pacers want to keep him, but it is something to point out. So press conference later today for Miles Turner to put pen to paper. The Pacers actually have three days off, which I guess that means they can't lose again in the next three days, which they've done a lot of losing here as of late. Friday night, it was typical, awful start. Couldn't come back. Gave up a franchise record 85 points in the first half of the Bucks. <laughs> and then yesterday, it was the reverse. They actually got off to a great start in Memphis. Memphis had lost five in a row. I had no idea that the Grizzlies had been struggling like that. And then the Pacers with an awful third quarter. Um, so what, they've lost 9 of 10? Is that what it is? Yeah. that Halftime of that game, by the way, Friday night against Memphis. The Literally, the, the talk or excuse me, against Milwaukee, the, the talk was, oh my gosh, we've got to stay here because like we're going to see a 185-point game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. NBA record here coming. Uh, yeah, their last – so they obviously beat Chicago on last Tuesday. Their last win prior to that, January 9th – or January 8th. So they're on a heck of a 
a slide here, right? And the road slide continues. It's December 23rd. So no games again, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's a back-to-back Lakers and Kings. LeBron is sitting out tonight in Brooklyn. So the LeBron potential to break the scoring record on Thursday night looks to be a big-time long shot with that one. Tyrese Halliburton still out. I think Rick Carlisle said before the game on Sunday, we'll confirm this with Tony East coming up, the hope is for Halliburton to play this weekend. You would think in Halliburton's case, he circles that Kings game on the calendar. I mean, he really struggled in the first matchup with Sacramento out there. Um, but we'll see, because this weekend, again, it's Lakers and Kings back-to-back Thursday, Friday, and then Sunday, they play the Cavs. Now, the, the Cavs game... Because they still hold Cleveland's first overall or number one pick, right? Yeah, as long as Cleveland makes the playoffs. You got to – well, see, there's your catch-22, right? <laughs> well, I think at this – well, Jake, I don't want to speak for all Pacers fans, but at this point, I think you want the Pacers to miss the playoffs. No, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. But what I'm saying is you you want – Cleveland's fifth, by the way. Yeah, so you want Cleveland – Two and a half or three and a half, it looks like, up on the play-in. I mean, your, your pick from Cleveland there is going to be what? Like the 20th, 25th pick? But I think right now, again, Indiana's 11th, so they're not even in the play-in with this recent skid. Um, You've got to take the three picks you're likely going to have. Your own, which right now I think is like eight or nine, Cleveland's pick, Boston's pick, and you try to move up higher in the lottery. Because if you you trade those picks or trade one of them, I mean, Jake, you could be sitting there with like the fourth pick. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. I mean, Draft the best three-man or four-man in the draft. They need six wins of those remaining here, Kev. I know. We're gonna go. We're gonna do this real quick. You ready? I know. We'll do I'm it. We'll do it. To sweat a little bit. Do it in groups of five. You just tell me how many I, are in that group. I would group. just like two or three before the okay, deadline. Okay. Here we go. Lakers. Just yesterday, quick. Lake, Lakers. Break. Yo. Uh, mm-hmm. Lakers at home. I, I don't think so. Okay. Sacramento at home. No. Back Cle- Cleveland at home. No. At Miami. No. Phoenix at home. Yes. At Washington. Yes. Utah at home. Ooh. Two of those three. Two two of those three. Okay, Chicago at home. Three of those four. Boston at home. No. At Orlando. Yes. At Dallas. No. At San Antonio. Yes. At Chicago. Maybe. I feel like we got to be close, right? <laughs> okay, one, two, three, four. That, there you go. That gets you there right there. That gets you there by March 5th. Yeah, I thought, you know, at one point I was thinking, boy, is this going to happen by like February 1st? Now I'm like, is it going to happen by St. Patrick's Day? Because <laughs> if we get to Earth Day, I'm screwed. It will be pretty awesome if it happens on, let's see. Now they play at Milwaukee on the 16th. I don't think they'll win that game, but if that was number 30, then what a St. Patrick's Day we'd have. You're buying the PBR for everybody. I was going to say, well, Miles Turner can buy one keg and I'll buy the other one. How about that? <laughs> Okay. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, ankle surgery. That news came out yesterday. Um, said that it's been something he's just kind of dealt with for the last couple of years. You mentioned this when Taylor went down late in the season, Jake. I'm curious how this injury would impact contract negotiations for him. Again, I don't think it will, knowing Chris Ballard, but I think it's something you have to acknowledge. But And I know not all injury situations are the same. But if a player is going to have to have off-season surgery, get it done in January. I felt like one of the biggest mistakes in the Andrew Luck situation was they elected for rehab and not surgery. In that first off-season, he got hurt. And look at Shaquille Leonard last year. You know he doesn't have back surgery till June. Well, when you do that, I mean, hell, you're jeopardizing the season. And we saw that with Leonard. So 
Uh, Jonathan Taylor, ankle surgery. I think it was last Wednesday. Um, and again, he's going into the final year of his rookie deal. So who is in and who might be out with the Colts head coaching search? We'll get into that just about 10 or 15 minutes from now. When we return, we'll get you caught up on everything that happened in the world of sports over the weekend and last night on this Monday edition, an hour before Tony East joins us. It's Kevin Aquari, 93.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, the month of February is here, and Zach, or is about to be here, and Zach Eady is the overwhelming favorite for National Player of the Year. Um, a career high yesterday for Zach Eady. I thought he was going for 40. Um, at one point, ended up with 38-12 and 12 as Purdue absolutely rolls Michigan State 77-61. I thought Purdue, again, got some nice support in the first half. David Jenkins continuing to shoot the basketball pretty well as of late. Uh, really key for them. And, of course, Edie just speaks for itself. So Purdue will maintain that number one ranking. Here was Matt Painter yesterday on being number one. I hope it's happening. You got to show some discipline and not listen to what people say because, like, success messes with you more than failure. Failure, failure always just corrects you. You know, you're, you're just, you realize that you lost by a basket. Now everything you did wrong gets magnified. You win by a basket. You don't magnify those things, and that's why coaches do. That's why people think coaches are crazy, because now you've won a game and you've made mistakes and you're on them about stuff because you know one or more of those mistakes could have led to that loss, but you don't digest it that way, and fans don't digest it that way. We can do everything the same and be one possession less, and then all of a sudden they'll ask you, what's your problem? If you can take that noise and, and take that rhetoric out of your thinking and just worry about what people say in your locker room, you're going to be more successful, you're going to have that good headspace, and you're going to have more fun. If you're always trying to please people that, that really don't exist and you don't know, like that gets to be really hard. Wednesday, Purdue taking on Penn State and Mackey, and then Saturday, the big showdown at Indiana in Bloomington on the 4th. Elsewhere, by the way, Cleveland State, 78-72 over IUPUI. Jags now 3-20, and 0-12 in the conference. Speaking of IU, 86-70 over Ohio State on Saturday night. It was a huge run to end the first half. Jalen hood Shafino, absolutely outstanding. 24 points, 6-9 of nine from behind the arc. IU has, ha- has a five-game win streak. First time they've had that in the Big Ten since 2016. Four of those five by double digits. Jake, that's got to be one of the best runs Indiana's had in the Big Ten. I mean, hell, in decades. I did see one writer who covers Indiana. Understandably, yesterday said, a lot of people thought Indiana's season was teetering. I'm guilty as charged. I was one of them, right? Uh, But now they're healthy, and they're the most dangerous team in the Big Ten. And I'm like, are they the most dangerous team, though? They're very good. I mean, it's either them or... Purdue. I would think the team that has won 20 games already is ranked number one in the country and has a guy dropping 38 and 13 might be considered more dangerous, right? Yeah, I mean, I certainly would put IU in the category of we are now seeing why second weekend team was talked about a whole lot. And we'll see what happens if, you know, when Xavier Johnson gets back in the lineup here, potentially in the month of February. But uh, with Hood Shafino doing that, obviously the attention Trace Jackson Davis is getting, and in particular at Assembly Hall. They're getting more support from those other guys. Uh, it'll be at Maryland tomorrow for IU, and then, of course, 4 o'clock on Saturday, hosting Purdue. Uh, Pacers over the weekend got off to a rough start with, as we talked about, Milwaukee scoring uh, 97 points in a quarter. 
not really, but it was felt like that. Uh, Pacers losing to Milwaukee Friday night, 141-131. And then yesterday at Memphis, 112-100. to The Grizz on top. So Pacers returned back then Thursday, or, yeah, Thursday against the Lakers. LeBron James right now listed as out with an ankle injury. He's kind of at the age where he's always day-to-day, right? But will, remains to be seen whether or not James will be playing in that game in Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Is that a Carmel Pups game, Kevin? Um, yeah, I, I'd say Steph Curry's more of a Carmel Pups game, but there will be some pups in the house that night. Wearing, wearing their LeBron uh-huh. stuff? Wearing the jacket, yeah. Did Actually, you, did you see the jackets? I think the Bengals had a jacket on the sideline with the with the captain on the on the actual jacket. Kind of reminded me of the C for the Carmel Pups. You like those Carmel Were you a Carmel Pup? Oh, no, scissors. Excuse me? Scissors, cut. You got cut from the cut Carmel Pups? Oh, yeah. I didn't know they cut. Oh, I mean, they're a, they're they a, made an exception. They're, they're a <laughs> we don't normally do team. this, yeah. son. Yeah. You need to sit out a little All bit. Right. Now, can you fund some of the jerseys or anything like that? No. Okay. Well, yeah, were you a good were you a good athlete? Uh, I mean, I know you were a state champion golfer, but meh. very meh. Okay, Mark, yeah. were you a good athlete? I wasn't all right. I was all right. Okay. How about yourself? A North Central Panther? I never met a shot I didn't like. Green light special. Absolutely. That's Benedict Matherin right now. Five straight for him with at least 20 off the bench. That's about the only positive right now for the Pacers as they are reeling big time. Do you like that song, Reeling in the East? Isn't that, isn't that how it goes? I can't say I'm too familiar with it. I don't know. I don't know what I you're talking about. reeling in the East. Uh, Chiefs and Eagles Super Bowl coming up in two weeks in Arizona. Uh, the first game was pretty ugly yesterday with Philly pulling away, the Brock Purdy injury, the Josh Johnson injury. Uh, Purdy said afterwards he could not throw the ball further than 5 to 10 yards. Was the screen pass the only one he threw? I think so, yeah. Can I just? I thought they should have just gone full wildcat in that one. Eagles defensive line is tremendous. And then in the nightcap, it was Kansas City, a Harrison Bucker field goal from 45 yards out. Uh, pretty much at the buzzer, wins that one. Over Cincy, I think we finally saw yesterday just that patchwork Bengals offensive line uh, succumb to some of the pressure. I think you Burrow know, was sacked five times. Burrow obviously did not have a lot of time and couldn't really get in rhythm, but he missed some throws too that were un. And that's not me picking on him. That's uncharacteristic of Joe Burrow. But that would have been if you were a diehard Bengals fan, that would have been a frustrating game to watch because they just kind of never got going. You know what I mean? Like you just kept waiting for it to happen. T. Higgins had a hell of a play, but. Jamar Chase, huge play. Jamar Chase had some down. big plays as well, yep. Yeah. And I thought Mark Dykton, yeah. you posted a screen grab of the parlay that you had. Mm-hmm. Now, we saw the fella in Rushville that had a what a, a parlay in the divisional round where he won $73,000, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I thought that's what you had in play. <laughs> Boy, yeah, you walked in this morning. You fell one leg short of seventy three grand. i am like, I wish. No, it wasn't that much. Seven hundred and thirty-seven dollars, not thousand. So you had how many one things? One come in- off. It was a five-leg parlay. Uh, well, what was the guys that Hayden the- Hurst, right? That's who you needed. But the guy that won seventy-three grand wasn't his, just like a five or sixteen parlay. I forget what his was, but I mean, mine wasn't the craziest like long shot odds either. It was like Christian McCaffrey, Jalen Hurts, Boston Scott to all score in the Niners Eagles game, and they had Travis Kelsey, Hayden Hurst. To score in the Bengals and Chiefs game, I thought so that you, guy was the first touchdown score in each game. No, oh yeah, oh, that's, that, what, that that's what it was. That's for his, him, for him, yeah, not for me. Mine was any time. Oh, okay, his was first gotcha. time. That's why gotcha. his odds were so much greater. Okay, 
Was Hurst ever close? I can't recall him ever being that He close. had a couple nice catches. Yeah, they threw it to him one time in the end zone, and it fell incomplete. Well, on that last drive, I mean, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I thought you had, like, I thought you were you're messing with me because you said, like, 60-yard touchdown. I thought you, like, had a – I was watching on streaming, so I thought you had, like, an advanced oh, no, copy uh, of what happened. No, I, I just – thoroughly they disappointed. To, on the final drive, they went to him on back-to-back plays. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, gosh, he's going to break oh, man. But – yeah, wasn't meant to be. Well, I would have been if you would just won seven hundred thirty-seven bucks. I'd have been like, yeah, who cares? We don't even have to mention that. I thought it was seventy-three. Grand. Thanks for that. Right? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Coming from at least myself with a big old goose egg in the old account here. So it's going to be a quiet Monday on the basketball world here in Indiana. Miles Turner will have a press conference to announce his contract extension. We'll chat a lot about that with Tony East coming up at eight thirty. Bob Kravitz at nine. When we come back, though. We've got some new names on the Colts' second head coach interview list um, from Friday and over the weekend, and we'll update you on kind of where things stand now that we are down to two teams. There's nobody that the Colts are necessarily restricted from talking to based off their original list, and we'll explain that. Coming up next here, Kevin Aquari on a bit of an overcast. It looks a little slick on the roadways. We didn't encounter too much, but I know there were some reports of uh, – some ice. Jason tweeted at me, heavy uh, sleet falling it, west. It's coming down pretty good right now. In Clayton. So uh, keep an eye on that for your morning. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 935 1075 The Fan. If you smell what The Rock is cooking. Hey, I got some wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni! You're listening to Kevin and Quarry on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Yeah, Travis Kelsey certainly never met a Mike he didn't like. It'll be him and his brother facing off in the Super Bowl here coming up in Arizona a week from Sunday. Uh, so it was the mayor that dropped the Burrow head comment? Yeah. He's talking a bunch of trash in <laughs> his... Pre-game uh, video on Twitter. So Cleveland native, but went to Cincinnati for college, Travis Kelsey. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, one of the, what, top three, four greatest pass-catching duos in league history? I'd say so. Kelsey, to me, is so frustrating because, you know, there's a difference between Kelsey and Gronkowski. Gronkowski was almost more of a wideout. I mean, he would make plays over the middle, and then you know his yards after catch were always amazing. I, Kelsey, as big and as strong as Kelsey is, he feels more slippery. In other words, the thing that is so frustrating about Mahomes and Kelsey is it's always literally like at the last second when you feel like you are going to throw them for a loss. Mahomes makes one step left or right, finds himself two seconds of freedom, and there's Kelsey, who seemingly was covered the entire play, right? And then, yeah. boom, he makes a play yeah, for it. Yeah, pretty like, elusive. Oh. Yeah. Um, I mean, he saw it on that touchdown. You know, Mahomes rolling out to his right. Not the original necessarily, you know, X and O play design, but yet Kelsey 
It's free, and they just have such a great knack for knowing where each other are. Um, so, yeah, Travis Kelsey there post-game so, afterwards. I have two questions about before we get to the Colts coaching search and how this is impacted. I do have two questions about the Chiefs and that game yesterday, okay? Okay. This always happens with teams, and I get, I've get i been crushed so many times for saying this about different teams, but inevitably it happens. I recall when Steph Curry first broke into the league, and I remember saying, you know, Steph Curry's kind of like too cool for school thing is eventually going to have the Danica Patrick effect, which is like all of a sudden it goes from a mania about an athlete to a total fatigue where people are like, go away. Go away is by extreme. But where it's just like, okay, I've had enough. They're, they're a little too cocky, you know, that kind of thing. Curry did fall victim to that fatigue, but then came back from it. I mean, he has been, he's kind of bounced back. People really say go away to Steph Curry? I feel like he's a really likable let, star. Let me, let me, again, let me finish what I'm saying here. There's no doubt that Curry, when Curry first came into the league and he was chewing the mouthpiece and he was hitting shots all over the place and doing the shimmy thing, everybody, everybody loved it. There was a very brief period, and it was pretty brief, but there was a brief period where after they had won a couple of titles, no one said go away to him, but he was starting to be it was starting to become a little less cute. And then he kind of was bailed out by the fact that Draymond Green became the crazy that usurped that and he Steph Curry bounced back from that and is back to being one of the most beloved players in the league, undoubtedly. I think people forget about it, but there was a brief it was like maybe a season or so where people were just kind of like you know, he, he was becoming a rival, right? I guess that's the best way of saying it. He was becoming a rival to a lot of people as opposed to the one that everybody loved. In the NFL, you see it a lot. I don't think – I think we are naive to it here because Peyton Manning and the Colts were the American team for a dozen years, but there were people outside of Indianapolis that probably got tired of hearing about Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne and whatever else because they were there every year. Are we starting to get that with Kansas City? I don't mean with Patrick Mahomes or even Kel- well, Kelsey's kind. Of, that's his mo. But like, it feels like the Chiefs are starting to chirp an awful lot, and like there are people that are going to be like, these guys. Can somebody please just take them off of their pedestal? They're an unbelievable franchise, and they're very, very good, no doubt about it. But they three years ago they were the out of nowhere great play. I mean, they had a good team. I get it. But they went from the team that, like, awesome stadium, barbecue, great fans, tailgate, fun story, Chiefs haven't necessarily won a lot, and now here they are, and it feels like the fatigue is going to start kicking in because of the chirping from auxiliary players. And then the other one that I have that I felt, and then you can tell me if, if I'm off base on either one of these two things, we all have that friend that everybody likes. They're in your group of friends, but yet everybody also is kind of like, yeah, I love I love Jim, but man, a little goes a long way. Like, I just don't know if I'm in the mood to, to like be around him for the whole weekend. And I don't think anybody dislikes Tony Romo, but it feels like at this point a little is going a long way. Yeah, Romo's starting to wear me out. 
Um, and I, I used to be a big Romo guy. Oh my gosh, he's got the whole Calm down, man. What yeah. a perfectly thrown ball. And it's like the wide receiver's twisting in the wind trying to like it, haul the, it in. The MJ Clyde Drexler 92 thing. It was so forced when he said that after Mahomes scored. I, I would disagree on the Kansas City part. I, I don't think they're outwardly chirping. Um, I thought, honestly, it was a lot of reaction to what Cincinnati was chirping about all week long, specifically yesterday. I just think, if anything, people are just jealous of what Kansas City has done. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, that, that's a part of it. Yeah, that's what I'm Which saying. Like, to me, in, isn't like... In other words, what I'm saying is, Kevin, in other words, at some point, every team, if they are in a dynasty, and I'm not saying they're a dynasty, but in the AFC, they're right now kind of a dynasty. At some point, every team, if they are the same team every year, there is this factor. Maybe this is... Maybe I was too long-winded, and maybe this is a better way of saying it. Every team experiences the... You know, I'm just ready for somebody new. Yeah, again, I think it's jealousy or tired of seeing them there. Right, Less so, to do with- so have the Chiefs entered into the category of I'm ready to see somebody new? Yeah, but I think we would say that about any team that has been there for five straight years in the AFC Championship game and now in the Super Bowl for three times out of four. Again, Patrick Mahomes seems, I guess his wife is a little bit odd, but he seems very likable. I don't mind him at all. Andy Reid, oh my gosh, I mean, up at the podium, he couldn't have been nicer uh, post game there, you know Kelsey's Kelsey, but I, I have no issue. Hey Jake, what you just Chiefs. said about Kansas City, you're dead on. I'm sick of them. They're the new Patriots. I don't think they've gone that far, but that's yeah, again having I, I nothing to do with them. I don't look them. at Belichick like Andy Reid at all. <laughs> oh, I think there are a lot of people that have issue with Andy Reid. With with what? I, I think compared are, to Belichick, not not as a person. I I, I just think there's there are a lot of people that. Uh, without getting into it, there are some things that have happened tragically in Andy Reid's life that I think there are some people that feel like he overprioritized football in general. But uh, he's a very likable guy. Uh, I'm I'm not going to deny that. What I'm saying is every team, it's a credit to them, every team at some point, if they win enough, reaches a level of, I'm ready for somebody different. You know, Gonzaga. I remember when Gonzaga and Mark Few was a cute story and everybody loved it. And it was like, this is great. You know, these these underdog plucky guys from this little conference. And I think now people are like, oh, Gonzaga still, really? That that Timmy guy drives me nuts. He's the new Christian Leitner. Or whatever it might be. And I it, I was just, I, I, thought, I thought yesterday, I think the Chiefs, it's the ultimate compliment, but I think the Chiefs have arrived there where unless you're a fan of the Chiefs, there are a lot of people that are like, I'm just ready for somebody different. Yeah, I mean, their postgame chirping yesterday was all in reaction to Cincinnati and what they said all week long with that. Uh, Colts have coaching search again. Uh, second round of interviews. That's where we're at right now. Um, some names we can get into here. Coming up, Rich Basaccia, the special teams coordinator with the Packers right now. Um, we saw Wink Martindale over the weekend. Um, those are two of the old, I think the two oldest candidates actually on the list. And it was reported yesterday that Shane Steichen, Philly OC, he is the lone play caller of the offensive coordinators that the Colts have interest in. Eric Bieniemy does not call plays. Uh, Brian Callahan in Cincinnati does not call plays. Steichen does with Philadelphia, and reportedly he will interview this week. And he's allowed to because the Colts met with him earlier um, in the process. And again, during the Super Bowl off week, uh, they're allowed to. So, Jake, of those three, who kind of stands out to you? I'm locked in on one guy, Kevin. And I really think and hope that it's going to be Raheem Morris. 
That that that's my thought process, right? So, you know, Callahan's intriguing because he's young, right? And uh, apparently endorsed by Manning, but then again, have they had a great track record of success of of coaches that were endorsed by Manning? You know what I mean? I Steichen. Does Steichen intrigue you a lot? You know, he's got a very similar kind of Brian Callahan path. Uh, again, he does call plays. I think you can look at look at that in one of two ways. I don't think it's some prerequisite to being a great head coach, but at the same time, he has a lot of responsibility on his plate. So you is, know, would that prepare him um, for this job? And his quarterback history, we, we've talked about it with Callahan. I mean, Peyton Manning, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, obviously into Joe Burrow. If you look at Shane Steichen... It's Jalen Hurts right now, of course. It was Justin Herbert for a year, and then it was Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers and Shane Steichen are extremely close. And I think one thing to point out about that is Phillip Rivers ain't messing around with someone that doesn't have a high-level football intellect. And so I think you would be getting that with Shane Steichen. Um, so Would Steichen be almost like a make-good on a save-face on the fact that Nick Sirianni walked out of the building and is immediately one of the upper level coaches in the NFL, of like you know what we should have maybe we made a mistake there and that should have been our guy so here we go. Yeah, I don't know if I look at it exactly like that. Um, again, their resumes a tad different entering the the positions that Sirianni's in right now. Steichen would potentially be in. Sirianni did not call plays here in Indianapolis. Did not have necessarily the quarterback centric background more of a kind of coaching all over on the offense Um, I do think with Martindale and Basaccia those two you're getting into Bruce Arians type people you're getting into you know I've heard John say this a lot over the last couple weeks old and crusty that's what you'd be getting into with those guys I mean remember when we had Chuck Pagano on a few weeks back we brought up kind of late in the interview um the name of Wink Martindale. I mean, Chuck didn't want to go off the line in saying, oh yeah, he is exactly Bruce Arians-like. And I think that is something to keep in mind of if there is a Jeff Saturday quality that Chris Ballard and Jim say like, and they would probably like that in other candidates, it is that little bit of a, you're not afraid to kind of undress a guy. You're not afraid to be a little bit more publicly critical, and maybe not publicly, but on, on a practice field in front of everybody. You're not afraid to call that guy out. I think a Martindale or a Basaccia would have that. So I know their resumes cause a lot of pause for people because they've just kind of been longtime coordinators. Nobody really likes that sort of hire. And they aren't on the offensive side of the ball. So there's hesitancy there. But if you're going to look for candidates that, again, I think Ballard and Ursay, which obviously is a huge part of this, I do think those two could align with that style of leader which is why you're seeing them get a second interview. I wonder this, Kevin. Like, take Eric Bieniemy. How much of Eric Bieniemy? I think we've discussed this in the past. How much of the interview or the getting acquainted with Eric Bieniemy is wanting to talk to Eric Bieniemy about the head coaching position, and how much of that is, hey, Eric Bieniemy? You have been the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs now for a handful of years, but 
everyone knows that Andy Reid is the guy calling plays. And that might be the last step that's holding you back from a head coaching position. So if you want to finally get out from underneath that wing and you want to be like Marvin Lewis getting out from underneath, you know, taking the step forward finally of getting away from the brand of the franchise with which you're a defensive coach, come to Indianapolis. And if you are our offensive coordinator, we will let you create and call plays for the offense. And that's the final piece of your resume necessary to help you become a head coach somewhere. Yeah, it's unquestionably a huge part of it, Jake, because look at what you're seeing Eric Bieniemy do. Eric Bieniemy is not only interviewing for the Colts head coaching job, he's interviewing for offensive coordinator jobs. That's what I mean, yeah. So, so I mean, he knows, like, his resume has hurt him in some capacity. Like, he's interviewed all these places and can't get a head coaching gig. And I think a part of that, of course, is, again, people look at Kansas City and say, it's Reed, it's Mahomes, Bieniemy is not a big, big part of that. So I think he has kind of come to grips with himself and saying, all right, as great as this run has been, and it's one of the best runs in NFL history, I've got to get out of here to further my candidacy, to improve my resume, to bolster how I'm viewed around the league. So I look at that and think, if the Colts hire a defensive head coach, if it is Raheem Morris or it is Jero Evero, is that where Biennemi could come here right. as the OC? Right. And he would run the show here, a la kind of what you see with, or I guess what you saw with Matt Eberflus and Gus Bradley um, here in Indianapolis. So a whole lot of stuff we can get to. We'll take your calls, 317-239-1070. We'll continue the Colts head coaching search questions. The Miles Turner contract extension news. It seems like pretty much everybody's on board with that. Curious if anybody has some thoughts on that. And, of course, Indiana and Purdue, two extremely hot teams, particularly uh, with what IU's done now winning four of five by double digits in the Big Ten. Uh, Maryland for Indiana tomorrow, and then Penn State for Purdue on Wednesday before those two meet Saturday at 4 o'clock in Bloomington. It does sound like we're getting some people kind of say that the roads are a bit dicier than maybe what we encountered on our way in, so be careful of that. Uh, A little bit slick, and I think in the uh, donut counties we could be uh, getting some precipitation. I I saw they're putting more of the – down. The freestanding Krispy Kremes are back, by the way. Speaking of the donut counties, didn't didn't we go through a whole phase of that? Like in the early two thousands, they were everywhere you turned, you couldn't. There was a new Krispy Kreme popping up, and then they were all gone one day. And now they're bringing them. We back. got the new one in Castleton, right? Yeah, that's. It. I saw that one, and I'm like, wait a minute, we did this, right? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love a Krispy Kreme I, I was donut? Say, Don't you'll get me wrong. Have no complaints for me, right? On that, uh, he's Jake Quarry. I'm Kevin Bell and Mark Dykton on the ones and twos. Kevin Quarry, ninety three five one zero seven five, the fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 8 o'clock hour on a Monday. Good morning to you. My name is Jake Query. Kevin Bowen, the other voice you hear on this program. Mark Dykton is manning the controls for us. It's Kevin and Query, which we spent nearly two and a half months coming up with the name of the show. A 93.5-1075, the fans. Super Bowl is set. It will be the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles out in Glendale, Arizona. And now, much like when, do you remember, Kevin, when Indiana made the national championship game in 2002? In the Kent State game of the regional finals, Tom Coverdale rolled his ankle, and it was like, a week's worth of questions about Tom Coverdale's ankle. It was like the most bizarre thing to turn on national TV and the most 
talked about topic in sports was the ankle of the Indiana guard. And I guess from Patrick Mahomes' standpoint, we'll get some of that, right? Because there were plays, you know, there were times yesterday where he looked pretty darn hobbled. And I guess you got two weeks, so there's plenty of time, but you can bet that will be a topic of discussion. But this feels like about as pick em a pick em a Super Bowl as you could get, right? Yeah, I think it's fluctuated a little bit. Chiefs a slight, slight favorite. But yeah, the two number one seeds, uh, first time since Eagles Patriots back in 2017 that we'll have that. Uh, and obviously the Andy Reid dynamic, the Kelsey brother dynamic, plenty and plenty of storylines. For this one, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, the Colts can now interview um, any of the four coordinators that they had interest in that we saw coaching this weekend with San Francisco losing. If D'Amico Ryans wants to, he can interview with the Colts. Now, several reports out there that he will be the head coach of the Houston Texans, of course, played for the Texans for quite a while. Um, So we'll see if D'Amico Ryans wants to entertain that. Uh, But the other three offensive coaches from the weekend, Brian Callahan with Cincy, Eric Biennemi with Kansas City, Shane Steichen with Philly, they can interview any of them. The uh, latest on the search, right now it sounds like six reported names for second interviews. So going back to last week, that would be Jeff Saturday, Jero Averro, Raheem Morris, Wink Martindale, and then reportedly this week, Rich Bisaccia from the Packers, their special teams coordinator, probably most known for the Raiders' interim stint last season, the 2021 season, I should say, when he took over for John Gruden and led the Raiders to the playoffs, and then Shane Steichen, the Eagles' OC. I see a lot of Colts fans, Jake, on Twitter saying, like, the Colts are you know, having such a long process, so at the end of the day, they can say, we interviewed everybody, and Jeff Saturday was easily the number one candidate. Do you look at it that way, or do you look at it the flip way and say, if Jim Mercer was just tired of this, wouldn't he just hire Jeff Saturday now? Yes. They've already done the Rooney rule. Yeah, I, I would think at this point. I I, I do Maybe I'm trying like, to be open-minded, but I, I don't think Saturday's a slam dunk like some other people think. No, I, I would agree with that. I, I, I personally think it's going to be Raheem Morris. Um, yeah, I'd probably put him as but, the favorite right now. But I wanted to ask you this, Kevin. There were reports that Raheem Morris was, I, and I can't recall what day, my apologies, they start to run together after a while, but that one of the days when Raheem Morris came in for his second interview that he was there for like, he was in the building for like 12 hours. And initially it was, oh my goodness, like that, what does that tell you? They must, they were, they had Biff Ward on the hotline, right? But. It appears as though the second interview days are more extensive days, correct? I think for the most part. I think uh, Evero was reported like his interview was that long as well. Um, so I think it's, you know, let's, again, in the building for 12 hours. I mean, I would like to think at some point they can go home and then go to a hotel and shower and go out to dinner and do all of that. Um, but I think that's something to watch for this week. Outside of Steichen, do we see Callahan or Bienemy? Again, Ryan's at this point seems to be a long shot. Um, and then how does the rest of the week play out? Do we get to a third round of interviews? Um, I was thinking about this over the weekend. Again, five openings in this year's coaching cycle. Last year, you had eight new head coaches. Of those eight, Jake, five of them were on the offensive side of the ball, three on D. 
Right. I was looking at the records of the coaches hired from last season, and it's a very small sample size. Let me prep. I mean, it's one year. The five offensive coaches that were hired last year, they combined to go 46-38-1, and three of the five made the playoffs. Of the three defensive coaches hired last year, they went 18-33, and and none of them made the playoffs. Again, very small sample size, but certainly a stark contrast between the two. And then if you want to go back to the previous cycle, obviously we're seeing what Nick Sirianni is doing as an offensive head coach, very young in his tenure. Should that be more? I mean, there's a lot of evidence. Again, small sample sizes, but a lot of evidence that points to you need to hire the offensive head coach. When you look at what happened yesterday in the NFL, you have between Philadelphia and San Francisco, and I get it. San Francisco was down to I, – I, I totally get it. I mean, they were walking around Pier 49 asking if anybody wanted to try to play quarterback if they could get them, get them there in time, right? But Philadelphia – is known for a dyna- dynamic offense is maybe the wrong word, but a unique offense. And Jalen Hurts is a heck of a talent. But San Francisco was a team, would you agree, Kevin, that their defense was kind of their – I know McCaffrey's a unicorn and Debo Samuel's a unicorn, but for to a great extent, their defensive pressure is, is what had gotten them there. Of the four teams, San Francisco was the most yeah. defensive-laden yeah. team. Would no, you agree with that? Number one in the league in defense, yeah. Right. And what happened? I mean, I know that they couldn't put up points because of the quarterback situation, but when it came down to it, once they got up against buzzsaw offenses, they Their ran out of... defense wasn't great, but Josh Johnson dropping a snap and giving I them a totally, short field... Totally get it. Help. Totally get it. And they were gassed. They were worn down. But it has become an offensive league. It just is. It just is. Kansas City, you know, Patrick Mahomes is 27 years old and is in his third Super Bowl. He is three years younger than Peyton Manning was when Peyton Manning made his first Super Bowl, and this is his third. And when Peyton Manning was a player, what did we say in those days? Well, Peyton Manning, the thing holding him back is he doesn't have a great defense. That's because the game has changed, especially once the competition committee changed the rules like in, I think it was 05 or 06, about the way defenses can can guard receivers, etc. It is a... It is an offensive league, and offenses, the old saying of offense sells tickets, defense wins games, those are on vintage t-shirts for a reason, because in 2023, open-minded, open-field offenses are what win you games in the National Football League. So should the Colts be eliminating those defensive candidates then? I don't know if I would say eliminating. I mean, I'm because I, I personally, Raheem Morris is the guy that I think it's going to be and I really like. But I just think whoever it's going to be, the, the critical hire is going to be not only, of course, the head coach, but what do you do offensively and can you get weapons? For the Colts, it, who the Colts hire? Let, let's, just, let's just be frank here, okay? And I don't mean Frank Reich. Let's just be brutally honest. I'm Jake Query. It's 8-11 on January. Is today the 30th or 30th? Yes, uh-huh. January 30th. And, I, and I'm here to say this epiphany and reality. 
watching the Kansas City Chiefs, watching the Cincinnati Bengals, watching the Buffalo Bills, watching the Philadelphia Eagles, watching the, at times, okay, watching the Jacksonville Jaguars for that matter. Yes, you want to get the right person hired, but to a great extent, it doesn't matter a whole lot right now because for the next two or three years, there is a logjam in the AFC of teams that actually have playmakers, of teams that prioritize wide receiver, getting people in space and the quarterback position. And instead of dilly-dallying around and going out and consistently going back to either TJ Maxx or Goodwill to get some players and get people on the field, they went out and they got Jamar Chase and they got T. Higgins and they got Jalen Hurts and they got... You know, obviously Mahomes, but they moved up to get Mahomes and then gave him a year to learn and then put him in the situation in Kansas City. And, and yeah, it helps that you had Trevor Lawrence as the number one pick, but they went out and they got Christian Kirk and said, let's pair him with them. And in the second round, they said, let's get a running back that can open things up and get him in space for Trevor Lawrence, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These teams have weapons. And you watch the Colts and you go, eh, the Colts have guys. They deprioritize, they, they deprioritize positions that now makes them look like they're sitting around, driving around in dad's Oldsmobile. And it's a nice car, but everybody else has a Ferrari. Yeah, and not even Jake going to like the extent of Jamar Chase. I mean, obviously, they drafted fifth overall. It's a totally different animal when you're drafting that high. But you look at Kansas City's leading receiver yesterday, and it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a free agent acquisition. You know, it's those types of moves to... Um, bolster give more depth however you want to describe it um, and you look at the Colts and you know said all year long you don't support the quarterback the quarterback didn't support you um, it's one of the worst skill groups um, in my opinion in the NFL and that's why I think honestly more of the problem is roster driven than it was Frank Reich driven or head coaching driven this season and you watch the AFC championship game yesterday and how do you not think to yourself man as a football fan this is a joy to watch but as a fan of a team that's in the AFC this is really hard to watch because this is your reality for the next, you know, half dozen right. years, potentially longer. And again, you're not even talking about other quarterbacks in this conference that could be on the doorstep of that as well. Uh, so again, Rich Passaccio reportedly today, special teams coordinator Shane Steichen later in the week. We'll see if Brian Callahan or Eric Bieniemy enter that list. If not, of the six names we've seen here for second interviews, only one is an offensive head coach. Only one. Which is interesting. And Do you call Jeff Saturday an offensive head coach? Boy, that's a really good question. He's a more offensive-minded one for sure, right? I mean, for Saturday, the biggest question is is going to be who is your offensive coordinator, right? I think there's a lot of questions, yeah. I mean, staff in general. Uh, Again, we'll continue to monitor Frank Reich's situation in, in Carolina. Does he try and bring Gus Bradley with him, I think there are some reports that Vic Fangio might go to Carolina, but now he's going to Miami. So um, we'll see about Gus Bradley on that front. Tony East is going to join us in about 15 to talk more about the Miles Turner contract extension. Bob Kravitz at 9. Uh, Bob is, just wrote something on the athletic hand in the air apologizing for, these are his words, and being wrong about the Miles Turner situation. Jake, uh, on the Turner front, Do you think it was more of he blossomed with Tyrese Halliburton? That's one. Two, the lack of development from the young big guys on your roster. 
or three, they never got a trade offer that was enticing enough. One. At the beginning of the year, the Pacers were very candid in saying, we are really excited about what Miles Turner's game is going to be able to do in partnership with Tyrese Halliburton. And Tyrese Halliburton is very excited about what his game can do being partnered with Miles Turner. And when the Pacers had Turner and Sabonis, they did a very expansive, like, cybermetrics study of number of players on the floor that touched the ball once each player came into the game from being out and was on the field or on the court by themselves. Okay, when when Sabonis was on the court, the number of players in a half-court set that touched the ball when he came back in in the first set was blank. And then the same with Turner. And they looked at it and said, Turner's a guy that his style of play offensively, and, and Sabonis is a wonderful player, but I think that they wanted to diversify and more spread, op- spread open their offense, and they felt Turner was the guy that better was suited for that style. Then when they really saw Halliburton play, they went, whoa, wait a minute. Like Now we got a guy that can not only yo-yo the ball all over the place but, but dictate pace, and Turner's a good fit for that. And they wanted to make sure the two of them could run together. And they're like, yep, this works. So now let's put ourselves in position to continue to let it grow and and buy ourselves the flexibility of time to put other pieces around it and make sure that this is exactly what we need. And so the two-year deal is perfect. Now, they could also trade him if somebody comes along. But I've said forever, Kevin, my thing has always been Miles Turner has I'm not saying Miles Turner is void of value in the NBA, but Miles Turner has more value to Indiana than he does in his style of play and what he does. He has more value to what Indiana is doing than he would to a lot of places if he's plugged to play. And so, therefore, the return on investment, I think, would not have been what they wanted because of the the fact that Turner has a value here that would have been difficult to replicate elsewhere. I think a common theme we've seen over the last couple of weeks, and again, bringing Turner back on a two-year extension is fine by me. I did not want to see a four-year, $100 million commitment to him to where he would be into his 30s. You would maybe have the feeling with him of like, this is my big payday. And, you know, I don't think Turner's kind of wired that, that way, but, you know, would there be any kind of lackadaisical approach to him moving forward? But just look how this team has played the last couple of weeks without Tyrese Halliburton. If that doesn't tell you that they need to add one more major, major piece, then you're looking through rose-colored glasses. Like They've played a Milwaukee team that sat a couple of their big guys in the last couple of weeks. I was in the game up there in Milwaukee. You know, Denver didn't have Jokic for that matchup. Phoenix sat a lot of guys, and yet the Pacers run off the floor in, in two of those three games. You've there's way too much on Tyrese Halliburton's plate right now, way too much. And Benedict Matherin is playing extraordinarily well, scoring at a very high level off the bench for you. But you need to find one more really, really big piece. And in all likelihood, to do that, it's got to come through the draft. Yeah, and it's got to come through the 2023 draft. Indiana is outside of the play-in right now. Uh, first time they've been in that situation in quite a while. I think if the draft were today, they'd have like eighth, I want to say. Obviously, depending on how the ping pong balls would fall. But to me, Jake, that's right now. I know 
it's a harsh reality to want to cheer for this, and I get that fans have been so excited about this season and hate how the Colts season unfolded. They don't want to go down that path. The best-case scenario for this season is to miss the playoffs. Uh, you're right. Get in the lottery. We're kind of back move, there, right? Like We, we are. Yeah, we are. We moved the goalpost a little is, bit, but I'm not in disagreement with you. And I get that's a bummer for people out there, but that's the reality of where you're at right now. We'll see when Halliburton makes his return. The hope is this weekend is how Rick Carlisle labeled it before the game last night. Thursday, Friday. Lakers Thursday. Kings Friday. That's a back-to-back here at home. Indiana will not play each of the next three days, and then they'll have Cleveland Sunday. It's almost getting to the point where, like, if Halliburton doesn't play this weekend for some reason, would you just sit him till the All-Star break? Probably. I mean, we're, like, two weeks away from the All-Star break. Where's the All Star game this year? I think Mark, will you double check this? I think Salt Lake City. You're right. Yeah. Thursday, we'll like. Have you been to Salt Lake City? Find out if Tyrese Halliburton made it as reserve again. Coaches voting on that. I have not. No. Mark, you been to Salt Lake no. City? I had this wild, grandioso vision when I was in like late high school, early college, and I was thinking about like how I wanted to be, you know, a sports director. I mean, a, a, an eleven o'clock sports anchor somewhere, and. I, I, for whatever reason, I had this vision, like, you know what? I'd love to go to Salt Lake City and be like the Ed Sorensen of Salt Lake City talking about the jazz and live on like a huge house like like you have in Geist, like on the Great Salt Lake. And I was so naive because like you don't get within 20 miles of the Great Salt Lake. whole place smells like salt. Have you ever been there? No. I mean, not not the city. I know you said you haven't been to the city, but to, to Utah in general. No. I flew over it once. It was a, It was really unbelievable, but... You talk to people that have been to the Salt Lake, and it's like, yeah, dude, you get like within twenty miles of it, and the whole like the air smells like a sulfuric salt, and like it, it's all crusty, and like nobody goes there. My um, six-year-old nephew thinks that the Utah Jazz eat at the restaurant right there at Fifty Fourth and College. Yeah, the Jazz Kitchen. That's right. When they come here, that's where yeah. they go. Yeah, drove by there and said to his <laughs> is dad, that Carlos Boozer? <laughs> said to his dad, here? "Is that where the uh, NBA Utah right, team right eats? across from where the Georgia football team eats? Yeah, right, right. The Bulldog there, and yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yeah. You got Fat Dan's and Twenty Tap. Yeah, you got the whole whole shebang on that intersection. All right, uh, Tony Easton, about a half hour. Bob Kravitz coming up at nine o'clock. Again, the commute in this morning was not bad for any of us, but it sounds like there are some spots around Indy just a hair slick, so keep an eye on that. Tony's coming up next, by the way, not a half hour. Oh yeah, it is already. Jeez, gosh, this Monday is flying by. Thank uh, yes, goodness. 8.30 for Tony East. Thank you, Mark. Bob Kravitz at nine. Let's hit a morning check down before we get to Tony East. <laughs> The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Mark, I'm go- or, uh, excuse me, Kevin, I'm going to go ahead and lead off with the ladies here in college basketball before handing it over to you in what happened yesterday in the Big Ten on the men's side. But how about Katie Gerald's Lady Boilers? 15-6 and six overall and now 6-5 and five in the Big Ten. They handed Ohio State who began, of course, the week by losing at Indiana in what was a great matchup. The Buckeyes, number two, but they are kind of reeling here. But Purdue, the latest to hand them a win. 73-65. Purdue wins yesterday in women's basketball. Again, now 6-5 and five in the Big Ten. But kudos to Katie Gerald. Oh, that was their first road win over a top-five team in program history. Yeah, that's impressive. Very impressive on that note. Speaking of the Boilers, Zach Eady was the National Player of the Year once again yesterday, 38-12. Again, what stands out to me the most, zero turnovers for Eady 
in 32 minutes. You look at the two games against Michigan State this season. Zach Eady, 70 points and 26 rebounds. Tom Izzo has had absolutely zero answer for the best player in college basketball. 77-61 Purdue wins. I thought in the first half, really important minutes off the bench for them. David Jenkins, a transfer, uh, shooting the ball much, much better than he was earlier in the year. You know, Mason Gillis hit a three. Brandon Newman hit a three. Ethan Morton hit one from behind the arc. Important for Purdue to get that. They will have Penn State coming up on Wednesday. And Bloomington will be Saturday at 4 o'clock there. The Indiana Hoosiers await. IU will take on Maryland tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. Indiana, one of, if not the hottest team in college basketball right now. They've won five straight. They've won four of those five by double digits. It was 86-70 over Ohio State on Saturday night. Here was Mike Woodson on the big run to end the first half that really broke that game open. And we go a little something like this. (laughs) Hit it. You know, I came in out of the timeout. I'm like, guys, we're just sitting here trading buckets. You know, and we can't trade the rest of the game. Somebody's got to make a stand. And we came out of that timeout. And I talked about getting three or four stops, and we got a lot of stops and was able to get out and, and make plays in the open court offensively to, to get the cushion that we needed going in at halftime. Uh, you know, that was his reaction when he got back from COVID too, right? The tone low. That's right. He had every dog in the neighborhood over at his house, right? Spuds McKenzie, Alex from Stroh's. Uh, Pacers yesterday, 112-100 losers to the Memphis Grizzlies. Grizz snap a five-game losing streak. Jaron Jackson from Park Tudor, who, I'll be honest, I have no recollection of playing when he was at Park Tudor, but was at Park Tudor nonetheless, and a great NBA player. 28 points. John Morant had 27 with 10 boards and 15 assists. Pacers have dropped three in a row. Benedict Matherin with 27 for the blue and gold. They host the Lake Show, the Lakers, on Thursday. Remains to be seen if LeBron James will be playing, but certainly he will not be uh, breaking the record, it appears. Charlotte, Cleveland, and Milwaukee, all winners in the association yesterday as well. It's kind of a fun Thursday, Friday, back-to-back. Sabonis, he has not been here, right, playing since Correct. he was traded? That's going to be on Friday, and then on Sunday they've got Cleveland. So Nice little three-game and four-day home stretch for the Pacers. Again, the Super Bowl, it will be the Chiefs. It will be the Eagles. The Eagles absolutely dominate San Francisco in that one defensive line. Got after Brock Purdy, and then once Purdy got hurt, Josh Johnson experiment did not go well, uh, and it was a, really just a disaster from there. Chiefs-Bengals, very good game um, late in that one. You do, I mean, again, boneheaded penalty, but man, you see the emotion that Joseph Asai had after that game. You do feel for him. He was devastated by that, man. And I really did think. And again, a 265-pound defensive lineman hustling on that play. Oh, boy. It was definitely. I, I thought he lost his footing on when he pushed Mahomes out of bounds. Now, obviously, the replay, I'm like, yeah, no, that was. And Mahomes was clearly out. I mean, that was a you cannot buy, you cannot swallow that whistle call, right? I mean, they had to make that call. Costly time for it, though, man. 45-yard field goal by Harrison Bucker for the win there. So Patrick Mahomes, 10 playoff wins. He is the youngest quarterback in NFL history to reach that mark a year younger than Tom Brady. All right, Miles Turner, the contract renegotiation and extension. We'll get into all of that next with Tony East coming up here. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5. The- 
It'll be pen to paper for Miles Turner coming up this afternoon. Press conference to announce his renegotiation plus an extension. So Miles Turner under contract in Indiana through 2025. He'll be 29 years old at that point. I think a big reason why his camp probably wanted that length of time is he can then hit free agency before 30. Um, the new TV contract will be entering the salary cap situation for the NBA right around that time as well. So that is going to help him and getting I'd, one. I'd like a camp. Are you guys my camp? Final major payday. Oh, I think you got a camp. We, we, don't we do the bingo card every day? Who's my camp? Oh, Byron and um, gosh, who else? Oh, there's plenty going on. Farkas? Farkas. Farkas. Is, Farkas is like Yeah, he's in the B and the O on the, on the bingo card. He's all over it. Yeah, we got he doesn't even there. live here. Well, that, you know, that, you guys FaceTime. Dave First? Dave, Dave First in my camp? Dave on there, okay. certainly. Yeah. I think Kevin Lee's on there, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's head to the panel. Well, I'll add line. you guys to the camp. We'll let's talk. Get you a little two-man tent. <laughs> Tony East joins us here from <laughs> the Payless Lickers Hotline. Tony East from Forbes. Locked on Pacers. Tony, uh, let's start with the renegotiation part, okay? So, Miles Turner uh, is going to make a whole lot of money now for the rest of this season. Why were the Pacers able to do that? Yeah, only very specific situations allow a renegotiation to even happen. Uh, So, the Pacers were one of only two teams in the league that had significant confidence at this point in the season. It's been talked about a lot that, you know, they're able to do even – the Russell Westbrook rumored trades in the offseason, some of the stuff that was talked about for them during the season, was because they had all this space that would allow them to make you know, imbalanced trades or big signings, whatever, during the season. But it also allowed them to do a renegotiation with players who met a certain criteria. And Miles Turner met that criteria. He had been with the team long enough, his contract was long enough, that he was eligible to do this. And it's effectively exactly what it sounds like, right? His contract for this season literally just gets renegotiated. They pay him more money. But a team wouldn't just pay a player more money for fun. They would want something in exchange. And in exchange, the way that this transaction is going to work out is they'll add two years onto the back of his deal, and those years will be much, much less salary than the renegotiated amount this year. So Turner's salary will jump way up this season, all the way up to his maximum. And then the next two seasons will drop by you know about 40% to be a much more reasonable number, below, probably a little bit below his market value for both of the next two seasons. Uh, per a lot of the reporting, it decreases from the second year to the third year, which is very team-friendly and you know, is something that I was always considered very tradable around the league. So uh, just a, a really good way to use the salary cap space by the Pacers to you know, get Turner on a team-friendly deal and uh, use that space for something because at some point this season with the salary for they would have had to do something with it anyway. Tony, when it comes to this particular um, you know, extension for Miles Turner, I want to make clear on this and in clarifying this, and I was hoping you could do so. Initially, the report, you know, comes out, and then it is, oh, and by the way, this also allows him to be traded by the deadline. And I think there were a lot of people that thought that the Pacers in the negotiation worked that in somehow or that it was an important aspect of it for Indiana. Was that by design, or did it just kind of fall as one of the the clauses within the extension? In other words, did they specifically target to have that possibility and flexibility for themselves? 
it's hard to say because it, you know, parts of an extension, if it's a certain amount of extension, if your salary is going to go uh, up or down by more or less than 5% from season to season of an extension, and if it's longer than two years, uh, then you're ineligible to be traded, right? That is why, if you'll recall last season, as many remember, when Malcolm Brogdon signed his extension with the Pacers, he was not eligible to be traded for six months, and so he was tied to the Pacers for at least that full season because that six-month restriction went through the trade deadline. So it does, uh, because Turner's extension is only two years and has a, a drop in salary, it doesn't go up by 5% because it got renegotiated way up this year. You know, he is still eligible uh, to be traded, but it's hard to say if that was a motivating factor at all because of the things that you know that, that Kevin said at the top of this, which you know are, are big motivations for Turner anyway, that he could now be a free agent still in his 20s, uh, in two years, right, 29 at the end of this deal now. And the TV deal, I think, is going to be a big motivator for players. You saw the last time, though, was a big jump in money for the league back in 2016. And players were getting contracts that made no sense. Huge money for, for guys, you know, because of new TV money. Now that, I don't know if it'll happen to that extent again, but when the salary cap jumps in 2025, players will will reap the benefits of that, presumably, uh, as the salary cap goes up. So there was already a lot of reason for it to be this specific length, but it, it is at least interesting and noteworthy that it does fit the parameters to, uh, of an extension that would allow a player to still be traded. So uh, I don't know if it went into the thinking or if it's just a coincidence, but it is certainly a factor to consider. The last TV contract, I feel like that's when Jan Mahimi signed for millions, and I was like, what in the world is going on here? Again, Tony East is with us, Locked On Pacers, at T East NBA on Twitter. Tony, I uh, tossed this question towards Jake a little bit earlier, so I will throw it at you. Um, three we- reasons why you think maybe what we thought in August didn't unfold, and that was Turner being traded, and now he is signed here you know for the next couple of seasons would you go with he's played great with Tyrese Halliburton or two the Pacers have lacked development from their young bigs or three they never got a trade offer that was truly enticing enough to part ways with them can there be a, a D for all of the above sure. from from those how would you slice one, that pie I guess <laughs> I think A is the biggest one because, you know, th- this was to me like the very crux of all this is if you're the Pacers and you're, you know, they're 11th in the East right now, right? For a long time this season, their season looked promising and, and great and they were sixth and the playoff. Right now they're out of the play in, right? But when when Turner, Matherin, and Halburn are all on the court, uh, you know, Halburn, 22 years old, ideally a franchise cornerstone you have for a long time. Matherin still can't even drink legally. He's 20, right? You know, when those three guys are on the court together, the Pacers have been, like, unbelievably good. That Their net rating with all three guys on the floor is, like, plus 14.4. You know, if you did that over a full season, you'd win, like, 80 games or something, which is not possible, but you get what I'm saying. They've been ridiculously good in, like, 330 minutes with all three of those guys, and when all three of those players play... The Pacers are 20-14. Like, that's really good. It's almost a 50-win team, and that's right now, right? That's with those guys being 22-20. and 20. So I think his good play is sort of, you know, I, I conflate that with really good fit with their two, the dudes of, of their rebuild or their new era or whatever term you want to use. I think that had to be the biggest reason that this made sense for both 
sides to pursue is that they, you know, can be comfy knowing that, oh, wow, you know, this makes a lot of sense for us to continue to win at the level we were winning at earlier this season when they were sixth and even fifth at times in the East for, for part of this. But certainly the things have to be a factor, right? You know, they're, they're, they're toggling, it seems like, game to game, which backup big gets minutes to try to get time for both Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson, who have waffled in their effectiveness. Goga barely ever plays anymore. Uh, they haven't gotten much from, from those guys all year. And uh, certainly, you know, we, the trade years and years, even Turner just being in the rumors at media day for, for all that time. And so uh, if they ever got something they wanted, maybe they would have taken it. Maybe even last year when he was injured, I don't know what they were and weren't getting off of. But certainly think that given how the discourse has gone around him and how the team's construction was, that had to be a factor at some point. But I think that this season specifically, uh, because they were playing so well and because Turner was playing so well and finally playing the position that he's always you know, kind of clamored to play. And he said at media day, right, I don't think I've scratched the service of my potential. And a lot of people kind of go, okay, you know, you're in your eighth year. When's that coming? Well, it did come. He was right. And I think a lot of that has been playing the five, playing the role in the position that he has always kind of wanted, even though he's been playing next to Sabonis. And it all just kind of came together and made sense. Uh, Tony, could you make the argument that Turner is maybe more attractive to trade now based off this contract actually like being written out, being on the books? And maybe that's not till the summer, you know, once the $35 million he makes this year is done with, and then you look ahead to the next two years, and I think it's like 20 and $21 million each of the next two. Um, again, I don't think that's necessarily the Pacers' line of thinking in this, but if you were another team, the fact that you see the contract, the Pacers have already done kind of the dirty work, if you will, um, it almost seems like he would be a pretty attractive trade guy coming up here in the summer and that you wouldn't be getting an expiring contract. Yeah, every declining contract ends up you know, being something that's like, ooh, that sounds nice, you know, if you're another team or a decision maker or whatever, like Buddy Yield even. Yeah, I never talked about it that way. Buddy Hield's contract declined from season to season when Aaron Gordon was a popular name on the trade market before getting to Denver. You know, he, that was a big reason. He was discussed so so highly in trades, part besides their talent, obviously, for all these players, is that their contract is great, right? You get it this year, and then next year it drops, and all of a sudden you have that extra amount that it goes down by to, you know, do something else or add another player, whatever. Because, you know, with the cap going up at the same time, all of a sudden you're just by having a player. So that alone, even ignoring the renegotiation part, the fact that it drops after the renegotiation, of course, and then again drops from 23-24 to 24-25, well, I think would be very appealing to, to, to teams. And I think the biggest appeal, though, beyond the fact that it drops from year to year is that I think it's probably below his market value. And even with the way that it's trending for centers, which I know Kevin sometimes, but like you know, Yusuf Nurkic got $17.5 million per year this offseason, and Mitchell Robinson's getting, you know, over $15 million a year. Like, Turner's better than those guys, right. maybe on both ends, right? So the going rate for centers is about that. It's only two years, and, you know, he got $18 million per year four years ago, right? Even if you think he's the same level of player that he was back then, from a percentage of the salary cap perspective, he's actually making less <laughs> than he was back then with the way that his deal kind of shook out because of the renegotiation part. So I think it certainly is... A, is in the next two years, very team-friendly and and uh, pretty tradable contract for the way it shook out. Tony, you know what's interesting? Tony East is our guest, by the way. He's on the Payless Sigurds hotline. So the Pacers, now that they come home here, it's going to be 
Uh, I believe Friday night, Sacramento comes to town with Domas Sabonis. And I was thinking about this. If you look at the way that De'Aaron Fox has played, and Sacramento's a team completely off the radar. I get it. I mean, it's not like people around here are familiar with the Kings. But they're playing well in the West. De'Aaron Fox has really evolved and grown. And Sabonis is playing well for them. This doesn't happen very often. But is it safe to say now that this was actually an NBA trade where both teams equally benefited? Uh, yes, it, it's super rare that you know a trade ends up this way. And I think I think the way that you know people who really talk about this stuff all the time think about it is like even though both teams are equally benefiting, they would say, "Oh, the Pacers still won because the guy they got younger." But you know, is that is that really all the calculus? Because the Kings are third in the West. You know, they haven't been good and. Forever, I think that the the thing that's always said, like because the Mariners made the playoffs, they have the longest drought in in pro sports now. It's like they haven't made the playoffs since the iPhone was a thing. Like that, you know, they right. totally had different motivations than than NBA team, many NBA teams do in building their team. And so the fact that you know they get to bonus and all that now, all of a sudden, Deer and Fox can be the guy with the ball, and Mike Brown's done a great job setting up the system for that team, but. Uh, De'Aaron Fox can be the guy with the ball, and Sabonis can just set a zillion screens a game and mash on other dudes, and you know, be the player that he could be. And he's now he's playing the five too. You know, the way it's helped Turner, it's also helped him. And Halliburton being not there has helped Fox in the same way that him being here and having the ball all the time has really helped him take off and develop. Like it has every player involved, both in the trade and directly in terms of their position changing or their fit with their new team changing, <laughs> has been really good or better as a result of, of the pieces moving around. And it's jarring to see a trade be this good for both teams so quickly, right? That the Kings are exactly where they want to be and look great and everything's fitting. And you know, Sabonis should be a third-time All-Star this year and Halliburton should be a first-time All-Star this year. Pacers in the playoff picture. It's so rare that a trade is that win-win that fast in the NBA. But that's certainly how it's been so far. Tony, before we let you go, and again, Tony's latest up on SI.com, kind of details everything, Turner tra- or Turner extension related, the impact on the trade deadline coming up a week from Thursday. Let's focus on that. I want to say the Pacers are kind of 8 to $10 million still in, in cap space if they want to do something, absorb a contract, whatever, coming up a week from Thursday. Um, I guess what can they do and what do you think they will do considering this recent skid? Yeah, bingo, they can... You know, the, the big thing they could have done with a ton of space before the renegotiation is take in a ton of money, but now they still can do something smaller, right? Like you're on it, about $8.8 that This is my number. I don't know if it's exactly right, but close. $8.8 million in cap space to, you know, take somebody in, or, you know, if they send out somebody making four, $4 million, they can take in a player making, you know, twelve and a half, and either that's a better player or it's a bad contract you can get an asset with. So they still have space to to wiggle around and, and potentially get an asset with. It always makes sense if you can to use as much cap space as possible to get assets if you're you know willing to spend that much. So uh, the Pacers do have the ability to, to make some imbalance trades to, to build their team a little more or get some more stuff at this deadline, depending on what they want to do. And I think that their focus is now clear for, for two reasons, one being the renegotiation and extension, the other being they've won you know, one of their last 11 games since Tyrese Halliburton got hurt, that you know, the long-term approach still, I think, has to be at the forefront of their thinking. With this deadline coming up, they've got their core locked up, their team makes sense. Now it's time to get the long pieces around it that also enhance the team. And it wouldn't make sense to make short-sighted moves after doing some long-term thinking-based stuff all season. And 
So I, th- I think that all makes the most sense now. But, you know, th- this team has so many options of what they could do. Kevin Pritchard loves that optionality that it's hard to, for them to do something that wouldn't make any sense at this deadline. Yeah, and again, that's the key with this. I think they've maintained some pretty good flexibility, um, which was my concern if you were to give Turner a longer deal. Tony's been all over this, and you guys have heard him on with us. We've certainly seen his work. The renegotiation aspect to this Turner deal was always something that Tony mentioned, and that is exactly how it played out. Tony, great stuff, man, and uh, we'll be looking forward to your coverage over at the press conference later today. You got it. Thanks, guys. That's Tony East right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Again, just to put numbers to years for this Turner thing, his contract climbs up to $35 million, goes from 18 to 35 for the rest of the season. The next two years, it will be about 21 and $20 million apiece. Um, so I think what you saw with the Pacers here, Jake, is something that has kind of been my biggest issue or one of my biggest issues with Chris Ballard in years past. When you have cap space, use it. You know, don't just let it sit there. And the Pacers could have done a couple of things. They could have tried to make a deal at the deadline coming up here in about 10 days, use their cap space that way, or they do this with Turner in that they extend them and in return for that extension and really sweetening his salary for this season, they're able to get him under contract for each of the next It feels very years. creative. Very it's not creative. unlike that uh, that math problem I sent you. What? What? I thought those were hieroglyphics you that, that you sent me. <laughs> I have one last math class to take. I thought Everybody, we were done. I thought it was well, just geology. No, I have geology and one math class that I'm taking, and then I'm done altogether. But I had to take algebra. That was always my hurdle. This latest is just kind of like a cornucopia math class of like, but it's literally like math 102. But this particular assignment this week, we somehow we went from chapter two to chapter twelve. Like I almost wonder if they if it's if they made a mistake. Well, you got an A in algebra, so now they say Underst- he's, understood he's ready this for the is, big leagues. This is like doctorate level trigger. Like like literally, this is Goodwill Hunting stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's very confusing. Yeah, By I the way, uh, Ben and David both. I appreciate both of them uh, pointing out they they'd like to join my camp. They'd like to be in my camp. Uh, so so we got Byron. Farkas doesn't live here, so he can't be in the camp, right? It's 2022. You can't, 2023, you can't have virtual camps? Byron first, good point. Uh, ben and David. And then I'm open for camp members. Mm, boy. Phone lines will light up at that. <laughs> you know, they, I, I, I would ask what goes on at Jake Quarry's camp, but that could really go down. When I was a kid, the to. Jordan Y had Camp Wego. Did you ever go to Camp Wego? I did not, no. Okay, well, this is going to be... Camp Tecumseh. Uh, okay, that's that's a good one. And this is going to be Camp Wego. That's what it is, Camp Wego. Uh, and that's it. This is my camp. Emphasis on the yo, which means what I, I believe in Spanish. <laughs> that is correct, At yeah. Jake's camp, there will be a lot of I coming from the leader <laughs> of that camp. Bob that is Kravitz. Right. I love me some me. Bob Kravitz. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ten minutes. People coming out of the woodwork wanting to be in my camp, which I appreciate. Like, I want somewhere, some way, for people that listen to this program, for there to be a story somewhere where someone says... Uh, people in Jake Quarry's camp are saying, and I want people that listen to this program to say, that's me. Me, Harry. I'm a member of the camp. Me, David. I'm a member of the camp. Matthew. Yep, camper here. No lunchbox needed. Matthew's camping from Maine? Yep. 
virtually. Um, no sleeping bag needed. Just just my camp. Camp Wio. Tough start to the week. I had my shirt on inside out. I just realized last. <laughs> I did that segment. yesterday. My daughter's like, your shirt's inside I out. I mean, we get that dressed at, not collectively, but individually at what, like 6 a.m.? I mean. Who knows what ha- what's happening at Jake's camp. You never know <laughs> on that front. That's the thing. If you camp with me, you better be used. To, it's like a rooster every morning, right? Uh, Bob Crabbe. I just want to be the best Jake that I can be. That's at the campfire, right? right? When you walk in the front door, that audio is being played every time. Uh, Bob Kravitz in five minutes. This is from Greg. Do any of these Colts head coaching candidates make you want to go out and buy tickets? Uh, I would say no, and I would also say, what were Eagles fans saying about Nick Sirianni or Bengals fans saying about Zach Taylor? Here's the other thing. The NFL, it's as much about the Jimmy and Joes as the X's knows. Has any head coach ever made someone go buy a jersey? Like, we got that guy. I got to go get a jersey. If you win. Yeah, Mike Ditka, the Saints. Right when he, he's a former player, though. But, I mean, if you're a guy like, no. Steal Jim Irsay's You got to have players. And if you win, people show up. You got to have players. And if you don't have players, it doesn't matter. Right? You got to have players. Attributes of the Eagles season that kind of fell in line with the Colts. Remember back when the Colts played the Eagles? What was that? Early November? Remember the Eagles signed Indomitian Sue that week? Yeah. Linval Joseph. Their run defense was horrid entering that game. And they looked at it and said, we have got to stop this right here, right now. We're going to do something a little bit out of the ordinary. They did that. Their run defense has been much better here. We saw it yesterday. Obviously, the quarterback situation helped out. But they were able to take away San Francisco's biggest strength. Um, it's such a credit to what Howie Roseman, their GM, and Nick Sirianni, the combination of talent, acquisition, and I and I think they've done a great job coaching Jalen Hurts. That offense has a lot of college elements to it. Jalen Hurts, I think, feels clearly feels really comfortable in it. Uh, and they've got weapons on both sides of the ball. That defensive line group, Hassan Reddick, probably the MVP yesterday. It was either him or Malik Hooker. For the Colts back in the 2017 draft. People will buy their tickets to go to games because it's a social event and there's always FOMO. There's always the fear of missing out. People renew their season tickets because they're like, man, if they do get really good, those Peyton years were so special. I don't want to miss out on that. The Andrew Luck years, the the Chiefs come back. I don't want to miss out on that. And I think teams know that. Yeah, no one is going to be a sexy hire at this point. No one. Like, do you think Panthers fans are overwhelmingly buying more tickets because right. they hired Frank Reich yeah, over Steve fair, Wilkes? Fair. But yeah, Hassan Reddick went a couple, I think a pick or two before Malik Hooker. I was surprised the Colts did not look into Reddick. Well, I thought they should have in free agency each of the last two years, but we know how Chris Ballard handles free agency. All right, Bob Kravitz joins us in a few here. Kevin and Corey. It wasn't too bad for us, but it does sound like some commutes in this morning have been a little bit dicier than others, so watch out for some slick roadways, ramps, etc. We'll head to the Payless Liquors hotline, and I'll give this man plenty of credit. Yeah, the second line in his latest on The Athletic. I was wrong about Miles Turner and his future with the Indiana Pacers. Bob Kravitz, I appreciate the apology. <laughs> yeah, I knew... Uh... When I heard this, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to write me a big old mea culpa, aren't I? But, uh, you know, look, uh, 
things change, circumstances change in, in sports and in life. And, uh, you know, I think Miles uh, really enjoys playing in Indiana now. And I think he really enjoys playing with uh, Tyrese Halliburton. I think, uh, you know, uh, being freed up to play the five without having to worry about Domas Sabonis has changed everything, including his outlook. Uh, I was told at the beginning of the season that there was uh, no way that he was interested in coming back. And I thought that that was reconfirmed when he went on the Woj podcast and said, uh, hey, Lakers, you might want to trade for me, boys. And uh, that never happened. And uh, I give the Pacers and uh, Miles people at CAA a lot of credit for finding a creative way to keep him uh, in such a way that it's still kind of a cap-friendly deal for the Pacers. Bob, do you think this move means that Buddy Heald is certainly going to be here throughout his contract? I think he's got one more year on it. Basically, does it mean that we'll get through next Thursday's trade deadline, and for a team that's out of the play-in right now, it's going to be a pretty quiet trade deadline, it seems? Yeah, the, the understanding that I have is that they are going to go into the trade uh, deadline uh, really with an open mind. Um, they don't know at this point, I don't believe, uh, whether they're going to be sellers or buyers. I think they want to see what's out there. They may very well end up doing nothing. I think I've, I think I've hit on every possible <laughs> permutation here, but um, I, I think it's more likely than not that Buddy Heald is still here. I hope he's still here because I think he's a great teammate and a hell of a player. Um, but, hell, man, I'm, I was wrong about Miles. I might be wrong about this one, too. Who knows? Bob, the interesting thing to me, Bob Kravitz is our guest on the Payless Ziggers Hotline. Um, we were talking earlier. I do believe that from the beginning of the year, the Pacers wanted to see how Turner affected Halliburton and vice versa on the floor and whether or not that could be uh, a symbiotic relationship. Clearly, it appears to be. But there is, with this way that this extension was done, it leaves open the door that Turner could, in fact, be traded still in a right. quote-unquote sign-and-trade. Do you believe now, preface with this, I do not, but I want your, your thought on this. Do you believe that the Pacers made it clear or intended to have that clause in there to protect themselves or because there is something still in the works, or is it just simply the byproduct of this particular style of extension? Well, we... Look, with this uh, extension um, and renegotiation or whatever they call it, um, they can trade him tomorrow. He, he is still on no, the No, I get that. But what I'm saying is, yeah. like, do you think that that's what they are looking to do? I do not, but what yeah. do you think? No, 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 no. That, that's what I was getting to. I don't think. Uh, I, I have every indication, again, I had an indication that he was not going to sign, but... Uh, I don't think they're going to do anything with him this year. Now, I think what's happening, guys, is they they know that Miles was super inspired to 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 uh, to play well this year. I mean, it was a contract year. Now, I think what they want to find out is, okay, he's got his money now. How's he going to play? I think Miles is a pro. I think Miles will continue to play well, but. Um, I think there's still a chance that they would move him 
beyond the trade deadline. Uh, like again, they're not going to do anything this trade deadline. At least that's not the plan. But I think down the road, if they see a better deal, uh, they could still move him. So uh, I don't. I, I think the trade, the trade talk will continue to swirl around around uh, Miles Turner for as long as he's here. It would seem. Yeah, and he's got a lot of reasons. Hidden free agency at the age of 29, you know, the new TV deal. Um, he could be looking at a pretty good contract if he continues to play well over the well, next that, couple. That's exactly, that's exactly right, Kevin. I mean, he, he'll, he'll be, I think, 28 when the, the new, when the, this contract is up. Uh, he'll be in his prime, uh, theoretically, and the new TV money comes in. The, uh, the, the, all, all, all the there's gonna be a lot more money. You know, the pie is gonna be bigger for the players, and if he's still playing really well, he can really hit the jackpot. So, it's a win-win, really, for the Pacers, and it's a win-win for for Miles. Again, Bob Kravitz has his latest up on the Athletic. Shifting gears um, to the Colts. Uh, this head coaching search now three weeks old. I don't think there's any sort of imminent end to it. Anytime soon, Bob. The longer it goes, what does that mean for Jeff Saturday? I don't. I think it means that they they're, they're moving on. I, I I just I don't know. I don't know what to read into all this, guys. I just know that there's no way you can look at the original thirteen or or the the, the six or seven guys that they have now and make the argument that Jeff Saturday is better prepared be the coach of the Indianapolis Colts than, say, Raheem Morris or Eric Bieniemy or uh, Callahan or, or any of those guys. So I'm not sure what to read into it. I'm, a little, uh, I'm not surprised that he made the second cut because of his relationship with Ursay, but uh, I think they're going to go in a different direction. Bob, this is kind of a probably a tired subject, I guess, but if Saturday is the guy, I would agree with you. It seems as though the longer we go here, the more it seems a certainty that's not going to be the case. But if Saturday's the guy, if you're Chris Ballard at that point, are you like, what the hell am I doing here? Right. Oh, I think he's had that thought many, many dozens of times over the course of the last you know calendar year. There's, there's no question. At the same time, and look, he, he would get a job somewhere else in about 15 minutes i i truly believe i think he's still highly highly thought of he's more highly thought of throughout the league than he is here in indianapolis so i think he'll he'll hold on even if even if saturday gets the job there's only 32 of these and he's getting paid a lot of money he's got the extension till 2026 he's got a young family he's got kids in school I think he's probably going to bite the bullet if, even if Saturday gets the job. And at the risk of – I'm not asking this in a defiant manner or like in a – you know what I mean? But I, I wanted to give you the opportunity to elaborate on this. I don't disagree that Ballard probably is highly thought of outside of Indianapolis and NFL circles. But based on the amount of time he's been here, the lack of playmakers on the field, and the lack of postseason yeah. production, that's based on what? Well, I, I think people will look will look at, at the quarterback situation, which which was partly his doing. Um, 
But I think they'll look at the quarterback situation and say, look, they haven't had any consistency uh, at that position in five, six, seven years. And I think they'll look at the fact that they had seven Pro Bowl players last year. So he, he, he is clearly a, a good judge of talent. The problem has been that the talent judgments have not been good at the most important positions. You know, they don't still don't have an edge rusher. They still don't have a left tackle, although I thought Ryman played, uh, Raymond played better as the season wore on. Um, they still don't have that game-breaking wide receiver. So, um, But I, I think, you know, all those years, Ballard was just doing okay in Indy, and every time you read one of those national pieces, he was one of the most highly thought of GMs in the league. So either he's got everybody else fooled, or he really has the goods. We just haven't really seen it in Indianapolis. I mean, it's hard to argue with four thirteen and one. Again, he's Bob Kravitz from the so Athletic here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bob, obviously, we know how Purdue's season played out last year when it came time to the NCAA tournament. But you know, if you were to think back to your opinion on Purdue, maybe entering February last year versus your opinion on them entering February this year. Do you feel better about this year's team getting on a run versus maybe how you felt about last year's team? I thought last year's team had a, ch- a better chance of going deep in the NCAA tournament. I was completely shocked that they lost to St. Peter's. I thought with Trevion and with uh, with uh, 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 Jaden Ivey, I thought they had a deeper, better uh, team last year. Um, I Look, I think I think they'll make it to the second weekend. I, I don't doubt that, but I would have thought that last year's team had a better chance to go to the to the final four, at least the elite eight, than this year's team. Uh, I think as great as they've been this year, you still have those two young guards. And man, if you get Edie in foul trouble, and it hasn't happened, but if you get Edie in foul trouble, that team is really in a, in rough straits. So. I I think they I, I think they're going to be good. They're clearly going to be a one seed. They're going to get to the second weekend. I just I had a higher ceiling for last year's team than I do this year's team. I looked, you know, the two guys that, that to me feel like they could be real wild cards for Purdue. And I agree with you about the young guards, although you know Smith and Lawyer both just they look wise beyond their years. They do, but but I that's obviously in fair play, right? The two guys to me that are really the X factors for Purdue are Kaufman Wren and Caleb First because you know in a game where where Zach Ed- and those guys are both really good players. Caleb First has really played well, I think, and has done a really good job of kind of sliding off of or adapting to having Edie taking up so much space. But right. there is going to be a game probably in March where suddenly Edie finds himself on the sidelines a yeah. lot. And at that point, I guess the question becomes, Bob, are those two guys, I think they're skilled enough to be able to answer that as a combo, but are they going to be familiar enough with that situation? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, like I, I was saying before, I, I, I worry that Zach's going to get a bad whistle at some point in the NCAA tournament, and that's going to put all the pressure on those two guys, especially Kaufman Wren, who I thought looked pretty good. Um, well, they got they had Michigan State the other day, 
he looked pretty good, and, and he's starting to come along. Um, whether he's going to be at that level um, by March, I don't know, but that would be my greatest my greatest concern with Purdue, um, you know, is if that Edie gets in foul trouble and who do you who can you rely on? And if Kaufman Wren continues to develop, then maybe you don't have those fears. Yeah, Purdue has gotten some nice moments from their supporting cast here as of late. But yeah, if, if again, it hasn't happened all year really, but if Edie were to get in foul trouble, that would be the biggest question. Bob, last one for me, and appreciate the time on this Monday morning. Again, Bob Kravitz from the Athletic with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Looking ahead to Saturday, 4 o'clock, ESPN, Indiana, Purdue, assuming IU climbs into the rankings today, it will just be the third time since 2000 that they both will be ranked in a matchup. Um, your early thoughts on what you expect from really two of the hottest teams in college basketball. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, and uh, I'll be there. And I just want to see TJD against Zach Eady, man. I mean, to me... Excuse me. They're they're two player of the year candidates. Um, maybe the top two. I, I, I'm not sure, but they're certainly in the top five. I think. I think Edie's number one at this point. He's got to be the overwhelming favorite. You got to think. And TJD is playing out of his mind lately. So I'm just really interested. I, I've got some calls out to some NBA people. Uh, because I'm, I'm interested in what these guys look like as NBA prospects, especially especially Edie. Because you think about it, 20 years ago, Edie would have been the first pick in the draft. Now, I have absolutely no idea how the NBA looks at him. I, I talked to Matt Painter about him uh, as an NBA prospect about two weeks ago, and I'll have that in my column uh, this weekend, but... That that's what I want to see more than anything else. I would think late first might start to be in play now for Jackson Davis, and early second to mid second for Edie at this point. And I'm in agreement with you. I mean, both of them have become. Somebody asked me yesterday, Bob, which was a good question. When was the last time the state of Indiana had arguably the top two players in college basketball? And my first thought was it would have been '93 with. Cheney at Indiana and Glenn Robinson as a sophomore at Purdue. That, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But don't be surprised when that shows up in the column. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did not know that, but uh, that that sounds about right. I mean, there and there are such different types of players playing the same position. It's just you know styles make fights. It's going to be a really interesting uh, mano a mano matchup between those two guys on Saturday. Without without question. Bob, enjoy that atmosphere. Thanks as always for hopping on with us, man. My pleasure, guys. Be well. That's Bob Kravitz right there on the Payless. I think he's line. in my camp. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate Bob. Thanks. What do you think? You're asking if he's in your camp? Yeah, I think he's in my camp. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bob, Bob's a great dude. Oh, yeah. Bob, yeah. He could. Okay, so Maybe now I've got... a rival camp like across a lake and you guys can like go canoeing. In, Who's in know? that? I'm just saying. I We'll meet you guys at the buoy at midnight. Yeah, <laughs> somebody spray painted our our cabin. Yeah, that oh, was an... that Kravitz camp over there. We'll get them back. Interesting point Bob made about how and again they're just two such different styles. I'm very curious to see how each will guard the other one. You know, I remember last year in the matchup down in Bloomington, Trace Jackson Davis got into very quick foul trouble, and 
I mean, Jake, remember, that was the Robert Fennessy half of his life. That's right. That kept Indiana in it, and of course, Fennessy hits that shot. Um, do you put Race Thompson on Edie, and you have Trace Jackson Davis come Boy. over and double? Try and keep Trace out of foul trouble? Probably. I, you've got Indiana's got some some bigs with fouls to give, I guess. I mean, you know, the thing about Edie Last year is they were just, playing Michael Durr, you know. In yeah. So I, I'm fascinated to see how those two are going to match up against each other. And obviously it's one of those, Jake, where probably both coaches think to themselves, those two will get however many points they're going to get. It's which supporting cast I, I think the thing can deliver more about Edie that is so impressive. And I remember Kevin, you're probably in this situation. When you were a kid playing basketball, you probably were a center, right? Because weren't you probably taller than most kids? Yeah, but I was kind of a late, a late grower. But okay. I, I, I certainly hear where you're going with that. So I, I was always the tallest kid on, on most of my teams. So I had to play, and it was really weird because then I got to high school, and it's like, you know, I was barely big enough to be a two, right? But Dave Dunn was my coach at the Jordan Y on the Jordan Y travel team. And I, and he was teaching me low post play. And I wanted to be a guard. All my friends were guards. You know, I mean, all the guys you watch on TV are guard, you know, ball handling, shooting guards, right? And Dave Dunn said to me, Jake, you're the shark in the water. Why are you bringing the food down where the minnows can get it? I'll never forget that. I've never forgotten it. Tim Duncan was as good a player as I've ever seen at keeping the ball above the shoulders at all times where nobody else could get to it. And so when the ball went into Tim Duncan, it never came down like below his shoulders and unless he had to create space for himself. But for big players to learn how to use their body to their advantage and not bring themselves down to the level of forwards or guards is a hard thing for guys to do. And Zach Eady does it as well as anybody in college basketball. When you watch him... He's very coordinated. Yes, and he's learned how to get rebounds by going straight up and down. He's learned how to play defense and block shots by by moving straight up and down and not contouring his body. He doesn't get in foul trouble. I mean, most big guys get in foul trouble just by reaching and trying to, to get block shots, or he just doesn't. He... he he literally, his body position and control is truly amazing. Not based on over agility, but on understanding of not having to move it any more than he needs to because of his size. Shaka Smart, Jake, had a really interesting comment earlier in the season. Purdue played Marquette, you know, in one of those November, I think, home games, and Mackey. And what Shock was saying, what stood out to him most about Edie was, usually with big guys, you have got to create energy for them. It's probably a stereotype, but yeah. big guys can be a bit lazy. Or a big, hey man, we need your energy, we need it on both ends of the floor. Zach Edie naturally creates that himself. And Shock was saying how much when a big guy can dominate like that, can finish through traffic and ones, et cetera, et cetera, your team feeds off that. I mean, how many times do you see a big guy get a big hoop and harm, and all of a sudden all his teammates are you know throwing their arms oh, in yeah. his chest and yep. celebrating with them? Like, and Edie is able to to do that. So again, I feel like, and I I, I did this when I was younger. If I were that tall, I'd be in the NBA. Like everybody does that, and for. Edie to be that tall, but to be as coordinated and skilled as he is, is really a special gift. And obviously, Purdue staff, you know, has developed that. Um, 
And he he is a great talent. And I, Trace Jackson Davis, as you said, Jake, is playing like a first team All American. And if it weren't for Zach Heady right now, he'd be the overwhelming big time. I always get a kick favorite. out of this. I always get a kick out of. I don't I don't consider Shaq and Wilt to be great players because they were just taller than everybody else. Okay, I mean I, Barry Sanders wasn't a great running back. He was just faster than everybody. If it was that easy. Uh, why I mean, is not every seven three person right. as dominant as? Uh, what, what is your What is your shirt you're wearing there? Uh, a Kushnet. It was. Uh, it's the uh, like parent company for Titleist, what, what, the golf company. What was that? I said Kush. That's that's a that's a slang term for something else. A, a Kush net is how um, Snoop Dogg keeps out the mosquitoes, right? That's right. Yeah. But again, this shirt was inside out about thirty minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was wondering your, so- your more solid jokes, by the way. What's that? I was wondering your more solid jokes, by the way. The well, no, it, it's a net that actually isn't solid at all. How how crazy is that? In my opinion, that sucked. <laughs> all the good, good stuff. Okay. Just how I crazy blew it? is that? What you're saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is it that you have only had potentially Saturday will be number three? You've only had three ranked matchups between Indiana and Purdue since 2000. I've thought about that. Yeah. I mean, it it usually is one or the other, right? I mean, again, for my generation, Jake, we're not used to this. And Saturday is going to be. I, I thought College Game Day should be there. I don't know why College Game Day. Oh yeah, we're going to Duke Carolina. You can go to Duke Carolina every year. I, I asked the question. College was, Game Day should be there. It's on ESPN. I asked the question on Twitter last week. If you factor football and basketball, what's the most significant college rivalry in the country? That was a great question. I I could not come up with one. And, and I, I was amazed at the number of people that were like, "Oh, Duke and Carolina." I'm like. Duke and Carolina, do they even play? I mean, they obviously they play each other in football. Who cares, right? I would say no based off crowd size, but based off like how somewhat good the programs are, I would think USC and UCLA. I know, but I like But just atmosphere stink. But USC basketball? I mean I know they've yeah, had some good they've teams. Had a couple runs. They I have. don't know. It's hard to get all four programs to be good. I know. I, I think, quite frankly, I mean, Indiana Purdue football. It's funny because n- it probably is Michigan Ohio State, just because they've had games where they've played in regional finals for a Final Four berth on the line. But like, you just don't think. Yeah. But it, they are so consumed with football that it seems yeah, almost mean, impossible to think of them caring about it. I don't think Alabama Auburn is doing it on the basketball right. floor. Alabama. LSU. I mean, I remember when Indiana Kentucky used to play each other in football. And it was like, yeah, it's kind of cool if they beat Kentucky because I hate Kentucky, but that's only in basketball. You know what I mean? Yeah, just doesn't have the same sort of. Uh, by the way, I've noticed you guys haven't brought up Notre Dame's big win in basketball. Oh, did they win? I, out of sight, out of mind. Scotty doesn't have that on the sheet here. Who did they beat? Well, they beat a, a blue blood. Um, helps the resume big time. Okay, hold on. A blue blood program out of the ACC? Yes, uh-huh. I'm going to go with, now, has this school a won dominated. A, has this school won a national championship in my lifetime? Oh, certainly. Hell, in, well, I was going to say Addison's lifetime, but probably not, Mark. <laughs> uh, North Carolina? C-A-R-D-S. Oh, well. Buddy. Shocking we missed Buddy, I, I got news for you. I, I got news for you. Louisville has won two games. This my, my, my camp beat Louisville. They're so bad. Notre Dame is up like 25 on them. It is amazing. Point. It's amazing. They had to get Kenny Payne. Nobody was all excited. You know Danny I, Manning's an assistant coach for him. They have three first-round picks on their coaching staff. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Kenny Payne, Danny Manning, and gosh, I forget the third one. I think Milt Wagner was a 
third or second rounder. Dewan Wheat, is he there? The, I mean, the game was so bad. Shibaki it was, Walker. It was trivia in the second half. You know, it was just the announcers turned it into. It is amazing. Trivia. I mean, I, I was always kind of a fan of Louisville, Louisville basketball. I've always kind of liked them. I, it's amazing how, how things can – the bottom has fallen out there. I mean, that's a blue blood for sure, man. It's a big win for the Irish is what I was hoping to get. Probably their last one. I'm looking at their last nine games. Good Lord. Notre Dame? Yeah. Well, let's just focus on the most recent. It's a winning Jeez. streak. Murderer's Row coming. Got the week off. Wake Forest, big one on Saturday. If you guys want to come on. <laughs> okay. Pop quiz here in five minutes. 317-239-1070. Let's hit a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hey, I'm going to begin with a little college basketball in the checkdown. Just because I don't know if you folks heard this or not, but sound the bells, get the party ready, bang the pots and pans in the street. Notre Dame, 76-62 over Louisville. The Cardinals now 2-19 and 0-10 in the ACC. How is that possible? They are horrific. It was unbelievable watching them. They're so bad. Notre Dame needs to try and get them on the schedule a few more They have times. two wins. Western, they had a two-game win streak. Western Kentucky and Florida A&M. They've lost to Bellarmine. They've lost to Wright State. They've lost to Appalachian State. They've lost to Lipscomb. Yeah. Big one for <laughs> wow. Coach Bray there. I, you know, I was thinking maybe bring back Bray after seeing that performance on Saturday from the Irish. Uh, let's stick one with college. more year. One exactly. more year. Let's stick with college basketball. We've talked a lot about Purdue, of course. They beat Michigan State. That was impressive. Not only just Zach Eady, 38-12 speaks for itself, but uh, Purdue got some great support from guys off the bench and dominated that one. On Saturday night, it was Indiana with a big win over Ohio State, another double-digit victory for IU. That is a five-game win streak in the Big Ten, first time since 2016 IU has done that. It was a late run in the first half to kind of expand the lead and uh, be in control the rest of the way. Here was Mike Woodson on that. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. You know, I came in out of the time. I'm like, guys, we just sitting here trading buckets, you know, and we can't trade the rest of the game. Somebody's got to make a stand. And we came out of that timeout. I talked about getting three or four stops, and we got a lot of stops and was able to get out and, and make plays in the open court offensively to, to get the cushion that we needed going in at halftime. His voice does not in any way, shape, or form match what he looked like as a player. Like, he kind of looks I like... his voice now looks exactly like how he looks like a human. I, I totally agree. But in terms of his voice, like when he was a player, like the thin 1980 Mike Woodson, it sounds like it doesn't in any way, shape, or form. Jalen hood Shafino with 24, certainly impressing some NBA scouts with that one. At Maryland tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Uh, any guess as to who's the head coach of the Maryland Terrapins? Oh, boy. Um, By the way, Maryland of the year, they either... They lose well, on the road and they win at home. I That's can't recall when did Bar- when did Turgeon leave. Uh, we got a first year head coach in Maryland. So this is not an interim. No. I- I'm going to say like some guy that they hired out of like Maryland, Baltimore County. Speaking of Louisville, there is a Louisville connection here. Really? Oh, I, uh, I think it was his father. Oh, I was going to say the guy that was the interim at Louisville for a while there. Scotty, who's the coach at Maryland? Scott Johnson. If Scotty doesn't know, then I really don't feel bad. Uh, while Scotty's thinking about that, I'll tell you that the Pacers 
Yesterday at Memphis, 112 to 100. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that was nice. Uh, That is a three-game losing streak for the Pacers. They are back in action Thursday in the Fieldhouse taking on the Lakers. Scotty, you come up with an answer? Biggie's Biggie's coach last year. Was he fired from his previous job and this was a safe spot for him or he left for Maryland? Where did the St. Peter's coach go to? Uh, Seton Hall. And where did Seton Hall's coach go? Uh, Who was Seton Hall's coach last year, Scotty? The son of Ralph Willard, Kevin Willard. You know what? I think I did know that. Okay. Good call there. Uh, Super Bowl set, Philadelphia and Kansas City after the Chiefs 23-20 over the Bengals yesterday. The Eagles, 31-7 winners. Uh, This is the fourth Super Bowl appearance, obviously, for the Eagles. It is the fifth for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm still disappointed they didn't go full Wildcat. I wanted McCaffrey and Debo full Wildcat the rest of the game. How about about McCaffrey throwing the pass? (laughs) Did you see that? Yeah. (laughs) It landed about 20 yards away from anybody on the field there. Yeah, that was tough to watch, but the AFC game was terrific. Boy, those Bengals receivers. Man. You know the one thing I'll say about this Josh Johnson that was seven of thirteen for seventy four yards, left with a concussion. He was really him. seven of thirteen. Yeah, boy, I must have saw all the incompletions. He must be, honestly. Now, there's two ways to look at this. He either is like an incredibly talented dude who's a bad locker room guy, and that's why he's played for like thirty seven teams, or he's just a really good dude. Oh no, that I think people it's, like having him around. Well, that and he's a brilliant offensive mind to be able to learn all these playbooks in such short order. Totally. So I mean, 2015, Andrew Luck gets hurt week three. He's out week four and five. The Colts literally signed Josh Johnson. I want to say it was either Thursday or Friday of those games. Brought him in to be Hasselbeck's backup. And, I mean, he's pretty much done that in like a dozen stops around the league. I mean, the places, okay. And I know we did this the other day, and I know a lot was made of it yesterday, but I'm just going to do it here as fast as I can. You ready? Teams of service of Josh Johnson, who was a fifth-round pick in 2008 out of... Where my uncle went, USD, baby. That's right, San Diego. Tampa Bay Bucks, San Francisco 49ers, Sacramento Mountain Lions, Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals, back to San Francisco, Cincinnati Bengals again, New York Jets, Indianapolis Colts, Buffalo Bills, Baltimore Ravens, New York Giants, Houston Texans, Oakland Raiders, Washington Redskins, San Diego Fleet, Detroit Lions, LA Wildcats, back to the 49ers, New York Jets, Baltimore Ravens, Denver Broncos, and back to the 49ers. I mean, that's unbelievable. Him dropping that snap. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> he was the XFL passer rating leader in 2020. Oh, He's still only 36 Didn't they only play like two, two games? P.J. Walker was that, wasn't he, for a little bit? Four-time All-PFL. Pioneer, right? Butler's League. Wasn't Butler in the Pioneer League? Yep. That is correct. I remember seeing Harbaugh coaching a game at Butler. Uh, two-time Pioneer League Offensive Player of the Year and three-time Double A All American. Sounds like the roads are a bit dicey in Hamilton County on this Monday morning. It looks ugly outside again. Our commute in was not too bad, but for those that are just waking up or haven't gotten in their car yet, just watch uh, out a little. My bit camp will have space heaters, just so we all know, and plenty of firewood. It's not very outdoorsy then. Gosh, <laughs> a bit soft. S'mores tonight. Soft. For every Do some s'mores oh. out on the on the space heaters if you don't mind. Here. Uh, Scotty, how's the pop quiz look? Okay, it's doable here on a Monday morning. 317-239-1070. Pop quiz time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. I thought we might get a tennis question. On the pop quiz. You see Novak Djokovic, Jake? His 10th Australian Open title over the weekend. Pretty impressive, right? I'm telling you, high-level tennis is awesome. Nadal and Djokovic, 22 apiece. Roger Federer, 20 apiece. Who was your favorite tennis player growing up? Probably the tail end of Sampras. Sampras Agassi. But again, Jake, I mean, I, I, I've lived in such a bad era for United States male tennis. Well, era, I mean, really. I, I grew up in a Erotic. great. I grew up in a fabulous era of men's tennis in general, but but very few of the stars were American. Oh yeah, and, I mean my you know, era. I mean Boris Becker was fabulous. Ivan Lendl was fabulous. I mean, I, I liked Federer the most out of him, Nadal, and Djokovic. I always thought Federer and Tiger yeah. were friends, so therefore I liked Federer. Were they? I think Nadal seems like a cool guy. Uh, Is Federer still going? I was a big fan of Gabriella Sabatini, as we know, but Chris Everett also. Yeah. But Woo! Martina Navratilova, though, was unbelievable to watch. Google search to start your Monday. All right, let's uh, hit up the pop quiz. And number one through eight, Jake. <laughs> you know, she had a perspiration issue, Gabriella Sabatini, just so you know. Uh, number three. Who we got, Mark? Boz. Boz? B-O-Z? Like, like Brian, Brian Bosworth? Bosworth? I assume. What's up, Boz? Boz? Okay. No, wait a minute. I knew a Boz that used to hang out in Broderpool. Was it that Boz? I'd like Boz to know if it's that Boz. played fullback back in the day. Well, he's gone now. Uh, Mark, throw us another one. All right. Still, all right. You want to pick a different number? Four. All right. Tim, two, because we have two Tims. Tim, the second. <laughs> Boy, this is a good start to this Well, why, no, why does he have to be Tim, the second? He's the second one that called in. What's up, okay. Tim? What's up? How we doing? Good, you? Good, Tim. Have you uh, driven this morning? Yes, sir. How uh, how is it out there? It's not bad. Okay, and what and what part of town? I live in Montgomery County. Oh, nice. That's uh, Crawfordsville, right? Yes, sir. Is that is Turkey Run State Park? Is any of that come down that far south? No, I'm about thirty five minutes, thirty minutes from that. Okay. What's um, the best food place in Crawfordsville, Tim? I got some buddies that went to Wabash. We would go to the Applebee's though. Uh, the Euro place, right, basically right across from Applebee's. Okay, all right. I'm gonna note that it's about down there. forty square foot. Wow. Yeah. Tim, Tim, do you want to be in my camp? Your camp? Uh huh. Yeah, Tim. A lot of people have responded the same way you just did. <laughs> Tim, <laughs> you know these these athletes. They always say, "Well, you know, the, the sources w- within Miles Turner's camp say." So I just decided I need a camp. But it doesn't sure. sound like you'd be excited about being in my camp. I didn't say I'd be excited, but I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of stroke, stroking of the ego. Don't, don't, Tim, to try not to be so excited. Uh, Tim, how old a fellow are you? 51. Well, there we go. You're, so you're the class of 90 in high school or 89? 90. Okay. Tim, are you a Purdue fan residing in that part of the state? I you. Okay, are you excited for Saturday? Yeah, I honestly don't watch it much anymore. Oh. I haven't watched it since they stay one year and leave. Okay. I hear you. Fair enough. All right, Jake, you want to throw number one out? All right, here we go, Tim. 
If you are an Indiana fan, you might recall actually a guy that once, I believe, had uh, 12 of 12 from the free throw line in the 1992 NCAA tournament in Boise against Indiana. Uh, Giannis, which is the answer for question number one, Giannis scored 50 points in the Bucks' win over the Pelicans last night. He scored 30 of his 50 points in the paint, making the 10th time in his career that he has scored 30 points in the paint in a game. Since the NBA started keeping track of play-by-play in the 96-97 season, only one other player has at least 10 games in his career with 30 points in the paint. Is it Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Yao Ming, or Shaquille O'Neal? It started in 96. Boy, you think it'd be at the sack. Okay. All right. Number two, Tim. The Eagles will face the Chiefs in Super Bowl 57 in 13 days. Patrick Mahomes will be starting his third Super Bowl in the past four seasons. Three quarterbacks in NFL history have started at least three Super Bowls in three consecutive seasons. Jim Kelly did it four straight in the early 90s, while the latest to do it was Tom Brady. Who was the first? Roger Staubach, Bob Greasy, Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana. He's described those heroes, by the way. I know it's not Montana. Uh... Those heroes you get can be like this guy's name. Not the school that Tim likes, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, Question number three. Super Bowl 57 features a battle of brothers as the Chiefs tight end Jason Kelsey goes against the Eagles center Travis Kelsey. Not including the Harbaugh's who were competing coaches in Super Bowl 47 who were the only brothers to face each other in Super Bowl history. Would it be Champ and Boss Bailey, Michael and Martellus Bennett, Tiki and Rondé Barber, or the Kelseys are the first? I the Barbers were both in the NFC. I'll say the Kelseys are first. Okay. All right, Tim. Joe Burrow saw his perfect road record in the NFL playoffs come to an end with the Bengals' loss in KC. Burrow had, I guess, no longer. Burrow entered the game with a 3-0 road mark in the postseason. Named the only NFL quarterback since 1950 to win his first four road playoff games. Tom Brady, Danny White, Jake DeLome, or Ben Roethlisberger? Roethlisberger. Really kind of cover the gamut with those four uh, answers there, Scott. That That was a good one. Question number five for you. On this day in 1971, the UCLA Bruins beat UC Santa Barbara at Pauley Pavilion. That was the start of UCLA's famous NCAA record 88-game win streak that on, ended Tim. ended in South Bend a little less than three years later. Who was the last team to beat UCLA before they started their 88-game win streak? Was it, in fact, also Notre Dame, Loyola of Chicago, USC, or Oregon? Uh, obviously, again, it's USC. Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> uh, who's Kevin's favorite basketball team, Tim? Oh, crap. Notre Dame. <laughs> we got to give it to him, right? Oh, yeah. Apologetic. Yeah, we'll it it's a Monday. Yeah. We'll give it to him. God, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Let's see how Tim did. Um, Giannis did a bunch of things since the NBA started keeping track of play-by-play in 96-97. Only one other player has at least 10 games in his career with 30 points in the paint. He said Shaq. 
And that, I'll tell yeah. you what, Shaq had 36 against Indiana in the NCAA tournament in 92, and he was 12 of 12 from the free throw line. Like, no one would ever guess that. I forgot about that part. It's the last 12 free throws he ever hit, actually. Uh, Bob Greasy was correct for question number that two. That is correct. Uh, not including the Harbaugh's competing coaches in Super Bowl 47, the only brothers to face off against each other in a Super Bowl, the Kelseys will be. Yeah! Okay. Uh, Note your name was correct for question number five, which brings it all to number four. Joe Burrow saw his perfect road record in the NFL playoffs come to an end with the Bengals' loss in Kansas City. Entering the game with a 3-0 mark in the postseason, named the only NFL quarterback since 1950 to win his first four road playoff games. Kevin, the answer was Jake DeLone. The Raging Cajun, baby. Remember Bourbon always singing about get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. Patriots, right? Is that Vinatieri's first game winner? Second? First game winner was against the Rams, wasn't it? I thought it was one was against the Panthers in Houston. You know what I thought was a huge play yesterday, Jake, was the uh, punt return by Sky Moore. Yeah, that was big. That pun itself. He was a guy. That's the guy that I wanted over Alec Pierce. I think a lot of people liked him, right? Uh, and he really hasn't had that good of a year. Um, he's kind of been. It's just an odd wide receiver depth chart that, that they have in Kansas City. Remember, he muffed one here in Indy. And Nance, I thought that was one of the few times that Nance and Romo were actually on it yesterday. Nance set it up of, you know, he's muffed three punts this year and has earned Andy Reid's trust back, et cetera, et cetera. And didn't Romo say, like, well, that's why he's back there? Because he. Yeah, and he had a huge return there. Could have been blocking the back, I thought. On that, but yeah, that that uh that set him up in the Mahomes scramble and penalty, and there you go. All right, we'll do one final time here, Kevin and Corey. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Miles Turner going to put uh, pen to paper. On his contract extension coming up later today, Jake, I get crediting a guy for all of a sudden seeing his contract rise to $35 million this year is probably, you know, whatever, a bit odd. But if Miles Turner plays out this contract, that's going to be a decade in Indiana. Today's NBA, you don't often see guys play a decade in one place. Yeah. And the Pacers have certainly made it known at times with Miles Turner that they've been skeptical about his future here. Former lottery pick with no ties to the area. Uh, kudos to Miles Turner for uh, continuing to be a good pro throughout all of this because there's been a lot of reasons and a lot of guys, I think, around the NBA that would have reacted very differently to how Turner's reacted to all of this. And again, the money's great, but... I think he just knows that his value here is as good as it's going to be anywhere. But again, some guys have too much ego and, and won't even want to admit that. Fair. And I agree. And I think, you know, the two-year extension, so tack on two more years, so through 2025, as we said to Bob Kravitz earlier, Jake, and you've harped on this point a lot, this is the best place for him to then cash in at 29 years old coming up in that 2025 for agency because he is playing with Halliburton. He does have some level of usage here in Indiana that he might not have in other places, so... Again, he changed agencies. I thought that was, oh boy, I don't, you know, how's he going to, how all that's going to play out and 
35 million this year and then 21 and 20 each of the next two years for miles turner here's a question for you when is when is super bowl media day i'm gonna be, uh, brace yourself for a jake query old man yelling at clouds things A yeah, I was going to say, today. I was going to guess a week from today or tomorrow. Out west, are they doing it at night? Are they still doing it on TV? All I know is this. There is nothing in sports that has become more played out than Super Bowl Media Day. I guess now they, they, they kind of scaled it back again. But like for a while there, it was like, oh, this is hilarious. Like the American Idol rejects are interviewing... You know, the TikToks and, and that kind of stuff is kind of... The TikToks. Well, no, I'm not saying TikTok. I'm saying like all the videos that people do. Oh, they... The TikTok <laughs> videos. You, you know, the, the... Ohio State University. The nonstop access now to those videos has kind of watered that stuff down or made it irrelevant. I mean, back then, 15 or 20 years ago... A lot of times, the only times that you saw people being able to do like wacky, fun things was at Super Bowl Media Day. And so players were participating. You know, you always had the, oh, look, we're going to take like this funny guy that's going to dress up in a bridal outfit and ask Tom Brady if he'll marry her sister, you know, and all that. Now that stuff, you see it 100 times a day. Yeah, that, that shtick in general, I think it's just a bit much. I do find Super Bowl Media Day beneficial, Jake, from a media standpoint. If I get it. I mean, you know, if you are the Lafayette television correct. and you want to go out to the Super Bowl, that's your chance to get George Karloftis one on one. You're right. And and you see a lot of that, right? A I lot mean, guys, of hometown stories. Correct. You know, if you are the Eagles quality control coach and you're from whatever, Bedford, Indiana, and, you know, a TV outlet wants to get. You, your coach. There is no. I'll tell you this. That's where I find it beneficial. I don't know that I have ever. The Indy 500 is pretty big, right? But in terms of like absolute, just cluster, mass hysteria, cattle barn level coverage. There's nothing like a Super Bowl. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I went to Super Bowl Media Day here, and they had that. In Lucas Oil Stadium, and boy, that was and boy, just going through security to get in there. Um, gosh, yeah, that was uh, it's crazy. That was quite I the know. ordeal. I mean, I remember as you would expect. I don't think anyone's acting like, oh yeah, we just let anybody into the Super Bowl. But I mean, that was a. I, I recall it took me about an hour and forty five minutes to get through security. The the Super Bowl Super Bowl thirty four was the first one I went to in Atlanta. The Rams Titans. And the auxiliary overflow media was in an upper section, you know, section 635 or whatever in the corner of the stadium. And I remember, like, literally in the first play of the fourth quarter, everybody getting up and starting to leave. And I'm like, where's everybody going? You know, like, fear of missing out here, right? And they're like, oh, you've got to start heading down now. If you want to do post game, you got to start heading down there now because it'll take the entire fourth quarter to get down there with everybody. I'm like, are you kidding me? And. I was walking down the ramps to get to the bottom of the Georgia Dome as Kevin Dyson was extending his arm to try to, and Mike Jones tackled him to end the game. It took that long to get down into the areas. I mean, it was yeah, crazy. I'm trying to think, I, I was still up in the press box when Brady threw that hail mary that Gronk almost caught here in um, in the Giants Super Bowl win, and for some reason, I think I still made it down there, which 
knowing how those Lucas Oil Stadium elevators can operate, that was a bit surprising now that I think back on it. $720 million, one elevator. But yeah, Arizona for the Super Bowl coming up in 13 days. Again, Colts head coaching search updates reportedly. Rich Bisaccia, special teams coordinator from the Packers, most known for his interim stint leading the Raiders to the playoffs last season. I know it's a cliche word, but Chris Boward and Jim Irsay are obsessed with the leader, leader, leader. That's what you hear a lot about Passaccia. So him, reportedly today, Shane Steichen, the Eagles OC. Eagles are in the Super Bowl. Shane can still talk to the Colts this week on the Super Bowl off week. He's already met with Andy once. Um, he does call the plays for Nick Sirianni. He is on the list for this week, reportedly. And then now the question becomes, will D'Amico Ryans actually listen to Indianapolis? What about Brian Callahan with Cincinnati? What about Eric Bieniemy with Kansas City? Um, Callahan and Bieniemy have already interviewed once. Their seasons are over, of course, so they can interview at any point. But those are the things to watch this week on the Colts head coaching search. Um, somebody just sent me saying, oh, you know, this girl will definitely be at media day. She's funny. And I'm not denying that she's pretty talented. But the girl that does the fake NFL meeting Zoom calls, yeah. is that still a thing? Oh, Angie, something a- or other. Annie, 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 is it Annie? Yeah, yeah, she does a good job. Well, she does, but like, is that still a thing though, or are people kind of over that? Like, has it kind of run its course? Like Zoom calls or her, her videos? Doing that? Her videos. Oh, I feel like I still see her. Uh, again, I I know she still does them. I'm saying, do people still enjoy them, or are are people like, yeah, it's some people do. It's played out by now. I think it's kind of played out, right? I can't say I follow her. I just see people with the retweet here or there on it. Uh, kind of a quiet Monday. Usually we've got Pacer games on Monday. Nothing until Thursday. Again, Indiana at Maryland tomorrow night. Purdue hosting Penn State. I think it's an early one on Wednesday. I want to say it's 630 for the Boilermakers. Everybody have a great Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Kevin Aquari signing off.